podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, you little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. Absolute disgrace. I'm sure no one will mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual I never said that. (laughs) Both have been rape victims. Watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a hand out. Boxing, um, nutters, messenger group. Oh, they're gonna, oh, I'm gonna be the king. Jay Bump, you know what I'm saying? Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the 506th edition of the Boxing Asylum Notairs podcast. I am your host, Steve Wellings, and joining me on the call tonight, we have Ozzy Smith. Matty DiGelonardo and Andy Patterson going live on YouTube from 8 o'clock every Sunday evening. The Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes. Hello to everybody listening during the week on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review on the podcast player of your choice throughout the entire month of January. Nothing less than five stars is acceptable. Don't know why I bother saying that because I don't even check to see if anybody's left any reviews. If you have, thanks very much. Maybe I'll have a look during the week and see. What? We we have over 130 five-star ratings on Spotify. Oh, you, right, you, I, okay. I just looked at, I, I just looked a moment ago. It's yeah, it was over 130 five-star ratings. We're obviously doing something right. And, and the people love what we're doing. Those five-star ratings, those are earned Steve. They're fucking earned. So on, on Spotify, I don't use Spotify. Are they able to put, uh, write something or is it just the stars? I don't know. I'll have to go and check through that. Yeah, we'll have to have a look through that. I know on the iTunes, there's about three or 400 odds, and they're not all five stars, granted, but over the 10 years or so, we have accumulated quite a few on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, as it's now known. But yeah, well done. Uh, Spotify, go and leave us a five-star review and write something if you can. If you can't, we're not going to hold it against you. Not really a great weekend of boxing. Andy? (laughs) That is a mild understatement, that one, mate. Jesus. You weren't enthused, were you, it's fair to say? (laughs) Fucking enthused. I had two options the day, the day. Get up and watch that card or take my daughter swimming. Uh, so I, I, I actually watched, I actually kind of draw the short straw because I knew, we knew last week that it wasn't a great offer, was it? Um, I've moaned about ESPN top ranks cards obviously in the past and that, but that, that was one of the worst fights that I've seen for a long while. If it happened that, a month ago, I think that would have been the nail in your coffin, Andy. I think it would have fucking killed you in the state you were in. <laughs> no, mate. I'll tell you what would have fucking killed me in the state that I was in was, um, who was it? Who was it called it Manny Pacquiao? 
Mundine. Mundine is all for that fight, I think. Do Conor Ben's calling him out. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? You're calling out retirees. You're calling out Kel Brook, retired. You're calling out a guy who's a weight division. Doesn't matter anyway. Last night's boxing was absolute shit. Um, the only positive I can say is that Jagba just basically kind of like stands behind his jab, and that is a good jab. But that he, he drops it head body. Yeah. Um, but it's he's too robotic. I just think he, he thinks too much in that as well about what he's trying to do. He doesn't change the angles. Um, then fighting this isn't there either. I don't think uppercuts, no uppercuts. Um, that guy he was fighting. What was his name again? Swan, Steve Swan. What was his name was Stephen Shaw. Sorry, Shaw. Stephen, Stephen Shaw. Shaw. Yeah, he never really. From what I heard about him anyway, he wasn't really a, a guy to throw a lot of punches or kind of like really kind of set his traps and that. He just seemed to kind of pick his moments when he was wanting to work, but it wasn't much. I felt, and it was, as I say, it was one of the worst fights you'll probably see. And it's, I say, it was two weeks in it in January. Uh, born. I'll just say that, born, jab, 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 occasional right hand. It's not even Vladimir Klitschko-esque, for example. Um, you know, moved his feet decent, stopped him from getting into a brawl. I think he's maybe a wee bit kind of shaky about the chin, so maybe he doesn't want to get involved as such, just use his attributes and, you know, keep it safe. But um, I think he'll remain at this kind of level opponent for a wee while yet, to be fair. I don't think he's in any way, shape or form challenging anybody in the top 10, 15 anytime soon. I don't think, I just think he's, he's, he's an accident waiting to happen. Yep, he certainly is. Um, the undercard, there were a few decent fights. We'll get onto that shortly. Shout out to everybody in the chat as well. We'll give you a shout out. Whenever we get a chance, next week is Eubank Jr. against Liam Smith. Bit of a domestic dust-up. Boxing, the fresh new look on boxing. This fresh new promoter, Don King, has a show next weekend. So looking up for the sport. Things are things are moving on pretty swiftly. But we'll go on to that Guidry against Devern fight as well. I think Andy, Matty summed things up pretty well there. I wasn't overly impressed by Efia Jagba. He did what he had to do. He got the long jab pumping, used his power at various times just to deter Shaw, just to cruise along. I felt like this win for uh, the Nigerian was more to do with Shaw letting the fight slip away than Ajagba boxing spectacularly well. Yeah, and, and uh, fair play to Chase Athletics who said it's it's a distance fight. Uh, yes. he, he definitely called that. It was tight on the card, so that was a really safe move. Uh, I don't call that last week as well. I, I, I think so. I actually forgot to put all that down, so I'm going to be listening to the podcast in between our discussions here to get everybody shit down. <laughs> I think we all picked Vianillo, as I as I remember, so that was stupid. Um, but uh, as far as Shaw versus Jogba, Steve, I think Bradley hit, uh, I think it was Bradley or maybe it was Ward that mentioned it. And it was the idea that Shaw has been a sparring partner for so long. He's got that sparring partner mentality he reminded me of late stage malik scott honestly uh you you spend so much time giving people good work in the gym uh but not trying to push it to the limit and you end up just with that mentality uh every time that he decided to to push a jogba back a jogba was not capable of doing anything uh but then he wouldn't do it he was uh, shaw was perfectly content to move around the ring take very little damage again like i said sparring partner mentality absolutely disappointing i'm glad the crew called it out and it said neither one of them wanted it and it basically you know called them out for having this great spotlight on espn and phoned it in it was uh a terrible performance uh, from them. I think the right guy won that 96, 94. It's probably about what it was. Um, I thought that Shaw probably won three of the first five and then maybe probably won the 10th. Uh, so give the rest to a Jogba and there you go. That's six, four. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, uh, you score that, Matty? 
I, I thought about six four. I thought it was about what the judges had it. It was about no, six four. I thought he yeah. maybe slightly. I thought it was maybe kind of too close. I thought I thought he maybe much more dominated it, but I think you could have had that a wee bit wider. But I, I think the first five rounds in general were they were they were just so uneventful in particular that it is yeah. I mean, kind of pick your poison, right? Like, it, it, but in but I think from like six through nine. I think Ajagba dominated. I, I'd be shocked if the judges gave Shaw any of those four rounds. Um, so, I mean, you know, give Ajagba two more and he's got it. Give him three more. I wouldn't complain. Um, it, like, it, he might get the W in box rec. Uh, you know, he, his number might go up to 17 victories, but he didn't win that fight. And I'll tell you who really lost that fight, Steve. Mm. All the poor sons of bitches that watched it from bell to bell like me. We fucking lost. We are the losers last night. Uh, more than Stephen Shaw, more than F.A. Ajagba for putting ourselves through that immense fucking suffering. Unnecessary. And the Brits and, the Brits and the Irish that stayed up to actually stay up and watch that as well. What was it? Put up until four o'clock in the morning or something? Oh, Thank yeah. fuck I'm too washed these days to be pulling that shit off. Yeah, but... I watched it the next morning. I didn't stay up. No, fuck. Why? It was ridiculous. And to be fair, I mean, and we can get through the rest of the card here. All three of these fights were floating around, uh, basically pick them fights with the books. They were all competitively matched. But of the three main fights on the card, only one of those fights, it seemed like the fighters came in wanting to put on a show and wanting to deliver. And it wasn't with the big guys. Yeah, I know I've been critical of top rank in the past, but I don't question the matchmaking in this case. I thought the three main fights, the two heavyweight ones and Lopez Nova, which was the fight of the night, um, all deli- uh, well, they didn't deliver, obviously, but they were all well matched previously. I think the intentions were there. The intentions were good. Uh, Matt Butter said he was exposed by Frank Sanchez, a Jagba. Let's be honest, absolutely. Even though uh, ESPN were losers, uh, Ricky Graville's not a loser. He's dropped a fiver in there. Thank you very much for the fiver. Uh, Mr. Richard Graville. Just picking up quickly, Matty, before we go on to Aussie, something that you mentioned about sparring partner mentality. It's definitely a thing. I remember there was a fighter from Ireland years ago, Michael Storm Sweeney, really talented fighter in the gym. Emmanuel Stewart kept bringing him to Vladimir Klitschko's training camps in Germany. He went in with Adonis Stevenson, Jonathan Banks. They always got workouts of him, and Emmanuel spoke very highly of him, but he could never really pull the trigger and move on to that next level as a pro. And you mentioned Malik Scott. I had my own comparison. I thought Stephen Shaw looked a little bit like and fought like Oliver McCall. There's clearly talent there. And at times he let his shots go, let the combinations go. And he looked really good for spells, but he was happy to box like a sparring partner and lack the urgency to win. I had an Oliver McCall vibe, Matty. Yeah, I uh, I can see that. It, and it's, you know, that survival mode. I mean, I, I get it, whatever. Um, Shaw's going to get a paycheck from here, um, with, with, you know, with some, something, but he'll, he'll be putting in work for another up and coming fighter. It's not going to be his own opportunity. Um, and it's just, I, I, I just kind of look at it in the way that these guys come in and yeah, it's hard to break that mentality, but you're on national television. You're fighting for a chance to move up the rankings. And they didn't want to try, you know, and, and that's that's the problem with it is you're getting, you're getting a paycheck, you're getting this opportunity, and you don't even want to give it a rip when there are so many guys just toiling in obscurity who would go in there and wing a few fucking hooks and see what happens. Um, and it, I, I, I kind of feel bad for Shaw because I think 
this was kind of his opportunity. I don't know that he's going to get another one because no one's going to be signing up to want to fight him because he is a tough out because he is talented and no one's going to want to sign up to see him because he's not, wasn't entertaining. So he's in a very weird position now. And a jog was probably going to get uh, maybe a Jared Anderson fight, which is interesting. Um, but Shaw's going to be stuck in, in sparring partner land and fine. You'll earn a living, but what are you going to do when you're 40 years old, man? Like in bad time to phone it in. Sit on the air like us, I suppose. Shout out to Andrew Thicket, uh, a Facebook, uh, he, he's always good for a thumbs up and, uh, and a Facebook comment is Andrew. He said, FA sparring partner, stop throwing jabs and body punches after a good few rounds. Yeah, maybe to prepare him for the sure fight. Good comment there. One SG UK says, which heavyweights the top rank have to match him with going forward? Aussie. I think um, Matty threw out a name there, which immediately came to my mind. But if they don't want to put a Jagba straight in with Jared Anderson, why not put him in with Johnny Rice? He got the win against Vianello. You could see a Jagba against Rice, the winner, mm. you'd assume to be a Jagba, going on to fight J- Jared Anderson, keeping it all nicely in-house there. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, the, what's it called? It's just not... There's not, not the... I think Andy said he's going to be treading water at this stage for a little while now. Um, the, the fight itself was just a complete waste of my time, really. Um, it, it was dire to watch. It was boring. But Jack Bino showed, you know, decent um, decent enough, you know, boxing ability behind his jab. But he reminds me of a gun-shy fighter. You know, he just doesn't want to throw that right hand. But I don't want to say boxing scared, but it comes across like that. You know, he doesn't want to do anything you know, above and beyond in case he can he does get caught. Because ultimately, mm. it's like he doesn't have the confidence in himself. So, yeah, I think that Rice win last night, upset, you know, that Guido Vianello, I, I think he was hyped up a little bit, wasn't he? You know, when he first turned over, was turned over with S-Jam. You know, he was the next big thing. And actually, now he's had a couple of blemishes on his record, that draw first up, that loss last night, albeit, you know, it was ruled down to a cut as well. But that's saying, um, yeah, it, it's going to be one of them. The, they're going to be looking at someone stateside. Um, you know, I, I can't see them wheeling out, you know, anybody of a threat. Do they, try, do they wheel out, yeah, someone like that, Jonathan Rice? Dare I even say someone like Trevor Bryan, maybe as well, ex-WBA champion, again, doesn't really pose a threat. But, yeah, it, it wasn't a fight that gets you excited, you know, from where you want to see, you know, Young, you know, I say young heavyweight. Heavyweights you usually want to see, you know, big performances, big knockouts. Uh, and last night was basically the polar opposite. So we, um, I don't think there'll be many too, but many people clambering to watch FA Jagber again, which is a shame because when he turned over and essentially just before he got beat, he was he was banging people out. He was and, exciting, you know, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. And and that's all you want. Look, I, I understand, you know, that every fighter can have a stinker. It happens. But like this is happening one, you know, it's happening more often than it should do now. So, as as I've said, yeah, I, I agree with what Andy has said. They're going to be treading water with him for a while now, and probably wait until that Jared Anderson fight is ready. I don't see them making that next. So yeah, it's just going to be someone, you know, essentially an absolute no mark as such. They'll be in with next, and I think they need to try and and if a Jagger wants to be a threat in the division. He needs to start throwing that right hand again and, and start knocking people out, going back to doing what you do best. But you can also use, you know, that jab to an advantage to set people up. And this is what I always say, you know, people slag Deontay Wilder off 
you know, he's no technique, he's no this and he's no that. But he knows what he's good at. And it's a fantastic weapon. And so many people become, you know, like afraid to do stuff. Wilder, you know, he has been hurt, but it doesn't deter him from sticking to what he knows. And that is unleashing that right hand. If you remove that from Wilder, it'd be nothing. But he sticks to what he knows. Whereas a Jagber, because he knows he's been hurt, He's, he's he's gun shy. Like I said, he, he boxes like a scared fighter. A bit a bit like uh, the Joshua performance, actually. Um, you know, when he boxed Andy Ruiz, he boxed not, not to lose mm. rather than going there and be like the wrecking machine he once was as such, going out, banging people out, excitement. And that Ajagba, you know, performance, it did more harm than good. Yes, he got the win, but he completely stunk the place so. out. Matt Butters says you only know the power is real with fighters if they continue delivering KOs as they go up the levels. Absolutely. A Jagba with a string of decisions yeah. stinks to me of someone whose power is overhyped, does it? Yeah, I agree with that. Look, he can he can clearly dig. Like I'm not saying, you know, he's just bangs out complete, you know, like tin cans and stuff like that. No way. But what I would say is that he um he what's it called? His power may not be there completely. So yeah, it's it's a fair comment. You know, you see it sometimes, don't you? Knock out some of these absolute punks, and then once you go up in uh, up in levels, the power isn't there. I do think he can dig, but it's right. I don't think his power is all what seemed. Andy, just before we move on to the supporting cast, a quick comment on something Ozzy mentioned there. Whenever I see the likes of Stefan Shaw. It's so frustrating, isn't it? You know, he's clearly got the talent. He can box. If he just let his hands go, it reminded me of Howard Eastman back in the day. Not so much against Hopkins, because Bernard Hopkins was a fantastic fighter, but that William Joppy fight, just crying out for Eastman to just forget about that lethargic, languid personality. Let the shots go, for goodness sake. There's something hiding there, and it's almost like dartitis, isn't it? Just afraid to pull the trigger and let the shots go for whatever reason. I was like crying out for Stephen Shaw to just throw. There's a bit of safety pin Johnson in him as well. Yeah. Decent talent, uh, looks solid enough, sturdy enough, but um, ultimately just hasn't got. My, I, I agree with what Matt was saying about the sparring partner mentality. I mean, he was using the uh, VNL as a sparring partner in the build up because VNL, I think fights got swapped here on this card, did they not? That's right, um, yeah, originally Oscar Rivas, and then he got some kind of detached. That's the one, retina, I couldn't I remember who it was yeah. at the point, I, Rivas. So. Yeah, well, as, as I say in, in, in my spiel and that, just if you let's let his hands go, fine. But, you know, as Matty mentioned as well, is if, if that is the best he's going to put up, and basically, like you said, probably his, his highest spot he's had in his career, I wouldn't be expecting that phone to be ringing any time soon for, uh, you know, coming and prop up a card for us or whatever and that. That guy, if he keeps up that type of performance, he's not even going to be a gatekeeper. He's just going to be basically filling up, you know, trash cards on Indian reservations like he did there last night. So, um, yeah, it's just a shame. But because the heavyweight division does need some solid journeymen, possibly even guys who can maybe even step up a wee, a wee bit higher in class, maybe, you know, pull off an upset. You know, a bit like uh, Douglas back in the day with Tyson. You know, D Douglas was a, was, was, a, was a decent fighter. But at times he would just he would just blow up weight and mm. people question his heart, you know, and if he was really into it, that type of thing. And then he pulled the fucking lottery right out of his arse. Um, just didn't see anybody like that coming up in the game they're just doing that. As I say, the, the top ends begin to thin out, obviously, in the next 18 months, I would say. Joshua, I think, is a defeat away from possibly retiring. Um, depending on what type of decision we get, we use it in, in Fury. If it's clean and it's non-debatable, I think Fury's in, in the sunset. 
Music possibly might might retire, so we we'll leave it open for basically Welder to try and step in there and maybe reclaim all the gold. But um, I want to see Joshua fight Welder, but I'm not too sure. You know, Ed, Eddie's a, Eddie's the master of like, oh yeah, well this this fight can be made in you know half an hour and that type of shit, and then fucking here we are years later, half waiting. a decade. <laughs> I know. So it's just you know you've you've missed your boat, you know you've missed your max dollars with that fight now as well. So at some point you need to try and cash in what's left of it as well. So it's um it's turning out a wee bit. I says we've just we need guys coming up behind us. We you know one of the questions came in there last week about Fraser Clark. Um VNL got exposed there last well, not so much exposed, but you know, there was technique was kinda of lacking, especially with his right hand. Yeah. Um who else we got coming in there? Gazaev, I mean he's fucking I mean, forget <laughs> him right him off, man. Yeah, Trevor Bryan, I heard him getting mentioned there. Dylan White's had his day. Um, Otto Wallen, maybe's maybe's can be a, a contender, hopefully. Um, that's, um, yeah, and then obviously I'm thinking about the guys coming up. Fabio Wardley, uh, big Jalalov, no really kind of setting the heather on fire or anything as well. Is, is he? Big Daichko. Who got, I remember him getting nice amateurs off. Uh, yeah, he's disappeared, Magic off. Yeah, he's, he's, he's kicking around about the top 15, one of the bodies and that as well. And then you got Yagat Caballero still, still, still ranked. <laughs> the guy never fights. How has he fucking got a rank in these days? And Must be managerial or promotional with some of these guys because you mentioned Deutschko yeah. and Caballero. They have good wins and they've got a bit of momentum. They just disappear off the flipping flat exactly. earth. No way. Exactly. And then you've got Joe Parker. He's got a fight coming up soon at some point, hasn't he? He's fighting on the uh, card coming up this weekend. Ah, uh, against Jack uh, Massey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the Australian? Is that, is that, is it Hooney? He's had hand problems since he turned pro after yeah. the uh, Olympics last Punch year. Punch his so. hands, yeah. yeah you know, what ESPN mentioned was that there's a high likelihood of uh, Jagba facing either uh, Dubois or Joyce next, actually, as I recall. Hey, Jagba? Uh-huh. I don't know why they put him in with Joyce. Maybe Dubois. Although Dubois got a title as well, hasn't he? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Not too much to lose to fight title. someone like a Jagba, unless it's a, it's a big fight, you'd think. Or if he's positioned in the rankings. Well, rank? that, he was 16 before that fight last night, so that should put him in the top 15. Why would they fight a top 15 guy then? A dangerous puncher for all of his limitations? That doesn't make any sense. I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, well. Right. Uh, yeah, just before we move on here, boys, um, MTK Enforcer Rick Graville, Ozzy, wants to know, um, your, I mentioned Dartitis earlier, what's your opinion on Keith Dallas being loaded darts? As I told Porky <laughs> when I went on his channel pre-Christmas, I have no opinion on Keith Teller's spring-loaded darts. There we are. That's that answer, Mr. Graville. Thank you, Oliver. Uh, moving on, Matty, we'll go on to you for the undercard. We've already touched upon Guido Vianello. It's no secret. I don't really rate him, to be honest. As Andy mentioned, he's awkward. He's slow. Doesn't really throw the right hand very well. One thing I think he did do well early on was he was active enough to ensure that Johnny Rice didn't get any confidence. Because if you remember in his fight against Michael Coffey, Rice backed Coffey up, visibly hurt him, grew in confidence as the fights went on. But in the most part, early on here, I thought Rice was very passive. He was slow. He was fat. He was lumbering around, waiting for the final rounds. Little did we know, he was one punch away from turning it all around very quickly. Yeah, it was an exceptional right hand that Rice landed uh, to cut Vianello up. And uh, that created a shit show afterwards with what happened. So they uh, it goes another round. I think he cut him in the sixth. I think it went into the seventh round. Uh, the referee stops it, has the doctor take a look, says, ah, this can't go on any further. Then uh, the referee, Ben J. Estevez, goes and he uh, asks for scorecards. When you go ask for scorecards, you're saying that it was by a headbutt. 
Um, and uh, so, and uh, that uh, makes an accidental foul and you go to the cards. Um, this was a jury and this is on the uh, Indian uh, re- uh, land where they, where their commission doesn't use instant replay. So, and he said he thought it was by a headbutt. Well, someone came up there and said, no, I'm positive it was by a punch. So Estevez goes down there with the commission and checks out ESPN's replay and finds that it is from a punch. Uh, so that was the most entertaining thing. You had that one right hand and then this absolute fucking uh, shit show that was that was going on uh, with it uh, as far as figuring it out. And I kind of wonder if it'll stand because it's weird to change your rules if you say you don't allow for video replay and then in the instant, you're like, oh, let's go check the video replay. I don't know. I think Vianello would have a little bit of a course of argument that it should have, even though it was caused by a punch, that it wasn't within the rules. You go by the referee's original call. And I'd have to assume he was up on the cards. But regardless, uh, we see where is as interesting as you know, Vianello is going to be. He's obviously limited. Uh, Rice is still going to be a good test for some up-and-coming heavyweights. I wouldn't be shocked to see him against Jared Anderson. But it's just a shame, like, that right hand was good. Um, you know, the uh, it, it was entertaining watching him try to figure out, you know, punch or headbutt and all that shit. But the, the, the other most interesting thing in this boring night is trying to figure out if Johnny Rice has a humongous ass or a colostomy bag. I, I don't know. I, I haven't figured that out. But it's camera. Camera does him no justice. It looks like fucking he's got a chair behind him. I think Matt Butters there. Um, Matty makes a good point, it, and the comms said this as well. I'm not a fan of the comms on ESPN, but if it was a headbutt, I mean, look at the state of the cut. It was an absolute monster. You would have seen a huge clash, blood pissing everywhere. You would have known if it was a headbutt. It wouldn't have just been a scraping of the heads together. Oh, Estevez did a terrible job. Yeah, it, and it and it's I I don't know I, I you could you'd have to get in his head and see if he was trying to be company man or what but that was a uh, yeah an incredible shit show good for Rice though he's got three good wins in a row two over Coffee uh, now one over Vianello, uh taking out some uh, some prospects so uh, yeah it's uh, you know he's on the way up and there's places for him to go Vianello's on to be on the shelf for a while because that was a nasty cut. I think he like might he... retire, you know, if you're vulnerable and shit and he, and he's a policeman, like he's got a job and everything. I don't, why would you carry on? Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, I, he just might decide to hang him up. You're, you're very well right. I mean, that was a bad cut. Looked like he had two fucking eye openings. Um, and, and interesting fact they, they said on the, uh, the, the broadcast last night is that Guido's family runs like the most successful tennis Academy in Italy. I had no idea. So there you go. The Vianillos are uh, are uh, tennis entrepreneurs. Man. Yeah, good to know. Um, I, I know that replays are in uh, effect in certain places, but not on the Indian reservation. I think before when Baturbia fought Gavosdik, there was an erroneous call on a knockdown or something, and they called in the replay in between rounds and sorted that out. So it is it is available somewhere. This was the talking point of the fight, Andy. We all went for Vianello before. It looked like he was odds on. Uh, by one way or the other, to get the points win. I'm actually going to credit the referee and the commission here. I know, technically speaking, Estevez wanted to give it a no contest. Villanillo was kind of hard done to in that regard. But there was no replays in this jurisdiction. Originally, Estevez was saying that he saw the headbutt, as we know, no punch. It clearly showed on the screen that the cut, which was absolutely horrific, had been caused by a punch. They then went to watch the TVs at ringside, accepted the clear replay, and changed their minds. Now, some people in boxing, especially us men, let's be honest, can be particularly stubborn sometimes. We've seen it many times before. The wrong decision has come to pass because of pure stubbornness and refusing to change your mind. So even though it wasn't quite in the rules, fair play to all involved here, I think, 
for making the correct decision because it could have gone a different way. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, at the end of the day, if we've got the technology, we've got to use it, I think it's it's only fair. But at the same time, you just wonder, you know, if VNL's team might even put in the put in an appeal because if you say if it's known the rules by that commission, then it might it might yeah. stand, you know, it might stand to have a have an appeal, who knows? But um yeah, I, I think I mentioned last week that I was not impressed by, by VNL. I, I think I picked up the win by points purely because I don't think I'd, I'd seen much or seen anything at all with the opponent. But um a John from Rice, sorry. Um it was it was a hell of a shot to be fair. And it was instantly, I mean you could literally as as VNL had pulled away uh, the blood's instantly kind of dropping on his torso, so you can see cl- clearly, you know, off the replay as well that he wasn't cut before the punch landed. So, definitely the right decision was made in the end. Um, as we mentioned about Vianello and that, it's uh, it's clear, well, as Matty says as well, it's clear that he's he's not going to go very far. I, I personally think anyway, um, he doesn't really need it if he's got all the kind of success in the background as such. But um, I just uh, I just can't believe that guy Vianello is kind of like doing like co main events and stuff. Um, no doubt, I'd imagine some people would have put their money on him, Matty possibly, but uh, these are the type of guys. And I, 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 I took under eight and a half rounds, actually, Andy. Did you? Yep. Uh, well, you take up some rounds. of those losses you made to last year, at $240 that you lost last year. Actually, well, I, put in my, I, I put in my blackjack winnings, actually, Andy, and I'm only down about 100 bucks last year, so uh, not too go. bad. Response, that's what we need. Um, Slow-footed. His punches are just very obvious, and as I mentioned as well, the 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 right hand, the straight right hand, is practically non-existent. You know, you get Buddy McGurk in there, you likely he did. Uh, what's his name? Oh, how much chasing all the bag money? Little Little John or Little, little Joy, whatever his oh, name uh, is. Oh, Chris Lovejoy. Lovejoy, him. Uh, so yeah, no great, and as I say, it was a horrible cut, and. Uh, what was the scorecards again? Because I think it was the way it was getting shaped, shaped up. I think I think it was getting made a wee bit of corruption job there, possibly. I know, I know okay. it was in, in, in right. the rules. I've got them. Yeah, I've got them here. So, v- well, Vianello was ahead 59-55 twice and 58-56. There we go. I, I think that's totally fair. I, th- I yeah. thought he probably won five of the first six rounds, yeah. So he was going to get fucked on the, on, on, on the fact that the referee claimed that he saw ahead, but... I can't, you know, it was clearly obvious, you know, especially when I was watching it on, on actual, you know, actual live run at the time rather than kind of short replay. You could see there was a punch that caused the caused the cut. Obviously, the ref was maybe on the blind side of the shot, but there was no clear or obvious headbutt landed in that. So I think gladly that they've came the right decision because I, I, don't even, I don't even think um, Rice was actually believing it. I mean, the referee came over and explained to him what was going to be happening. But you could, tell him, you could see him sitting in his corner, wait, just wait for the official decision to come in here because he's, he must have felt himself he was going to get fucked over. Fighters like Johnny Rice do not typically get the right end of things like that. Like, it usually ends exactly the way that it went, was going to go down. They try to call it in some way favorable for the undefeated prospect and and screw over the journeyman. So it's a fair play, you know, to Johnny Rice for 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 getting justice uh, in in the position he was in. It's a very un, uncommon uh, occurrence in boxing. Yeah, justice for Johnny Rice, Ozzy, I suppose, getting the win over Vianello. We all know it's not great ever since that draw with eBay, that sort of shocking eight-rounder or ten-rounder against Jay McFarlane. Uh, Johnny Rice is a bit like a kind of upper-market uh, Camille Sokolowski, and he's finally got his uh, day in the sun here. He's on a nice little run, Oz. Yeah, I agree with everything that said, and I thought it was quite amusing what you said, Steve, that basically uh, Vianello is simply shit. And uh, when you've got a good job, yeah, just 
ultimately jack it in. Like I said, he, he was hyped up when he turned over, turned over with S Jam, um, was matched favourably. And like I said, you know, when you've had, you know, what is it? That was his 12th fight last night, was it? Yeah, 12th fight. And then in your 11th fight, you're fighting fucking fat Jay McFarlane, who is just awful, you know, area level at best. You're thinking, well, what sort of a development fight is it for you? You know, he, he's just not very good. Uh, and that's fine. He, I mean, the fact that his family own, you know, like a, a tennis academy in Italy must be doing well for themselves. Very rare that, you know, you should, you know, I hope we, I always say about, you know, records, you know, you can bounce back, but you've got to have some realism as well. And can you see this guy learning enough um, to go on and actually, you know, make a real name for and get to a decent level in the sport? Absolutely not. Um, sums up, a, you know, basically a typical Italian boxer, really, when we used to see him on all the matchroom cards, a lot of them garbage, padded records. And when they come up against somebody who basically hits them back, uh, they get beat. And like last night, yeah, he was winning, but still, though, it wasn't really that impressive. Jonathan Rice, you know, yeah, like you say, probably the uh, the, the American version of, you know, Camille Sokolowski um, can certainly get the wins when he wants to. Three wins in a row now. There'll certainly be more work for him as well. So, yeah, it was... I think the fact that we're having to go into detail on the two fights itself just shows how <laughs> drab a weekend it was, really. The only way is up with a bit of Kim Clavel for Matty shortly. Before we go on to that one, let's have a look over the undercut. I actually saw most of this, Matt. Uh, you can pick out the bits and pieces that you saw. I, another L for me last weekend. I picked out Adam Lopez to defeat Abraham Nova. That was a really good fight, the fight of the weekend, apart from the female fight. You, you said I didn't watch that one. Uh, Nova getting Lopez down a couple of times, one pretty wide on the cards, uh, but it was a competitive fight. Lopez had uh, success with the left hand. Also further down that card, Brian Norman Jr. Been keeping an eye on him since he about his 10th fight because his dad boxed for no other reason than that. He looks pretty decent. Um, also, Dante Benjamin got a knockout win. Bruce Carrington, he struggles a little bit for me. It's only early days. Also, Haven Brady Jr. got badly hurt by Ruben Cavera um, in the fifth round. Had a rough sixth as well. And I think that was all I saw of the undercard, actually. What did you if, if that fight uh, with Brady had, had been a 10-rounder, Steve, I think he would have, uh, at the very least, found him in a very similar position to Rashidi Ellis last week. Yeah, by uh, stoppage. Not on the card, though. One judge gave... Um, Brady every round. Yeah, that was. I, I I thought that was ridiculous. There was definitely some ridiculous judging this weekend. But Brady, um, he's lacking, and uh, his his grunting with every punch is absolutely annoying. Uh, God love Tim Bradley for calling him out on it, and in so many ways, uh, it's um, there. There's a lot of talent there. Um, he's uh, he's he's in with the uh, the the Ennis fam family, uh, so he's got good training. Uh, but it, there's something lacking with that kid, and obviously we've seen him vulnerable. So I'm going to be keeping an eye uh, on Brady Jr. in the future uh, and, and and seeing if there might be a chance to, to catch him when he finally does run into that 10-12 uh, that round fight where a puncher can take him out because it's going to happen. I think yeah, you and I would uh, definitely agree on that one. Um, 
on that undercard also, I really enjoyed the Adam Lopez-Abraham Nova fight. I also thought the scorecards were a little off on that one, although uh, Nova was a deserved winner. Uh, he uh, And interestingly, Steve, I, your pick made sense. Uh, and in fact, Lopez opened up as an underdog in the books and, and worked up to right about even or maybe a slight favorite by fight time. So the markets were thinking it too, but I, I think the miscalculation that we might have had on that one um, – is that Nova is a, a definitely a larger fighter, a naturally bigger man than Adam Lopez. Yeah, and struggled when, with when the they, power, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when they found themselves in the exchanges, Lopez got himself into trouble because that's yeah. Yeah, Nova was was hitting him with the harder punches. Even though you you know a lot of those rounds um, where he he got hurt, you know he was doing really good until that moment, and then uh, Nova was able to to do enough damage to pick up a uh, to pick up the round. Um, I did think one of the knockdowns was a little bit bogus, uh, seemed a bit pushy to me. Uh, there was a lot of time between that punch uh, and, and when he went down um so that was a little bit goofy but uh i, I thought that uh abraham and nova and his uh his mascot supernova who didn't have credentials and was forced up into the stand sadly um I, I think they deserve the w and i uh i'll be interested to see how he plays in a now really wide open 130 pound division uh now that uh shakur stevenson is vacated uh and uh you know uh Hector Garcia is PBC, but he just lost a tank, so you could see them dump him in a heartbeat, um, and he could find himself in a in a fight over there with a guy like Nova, and it'll be interesting. Um, I, I I think you know, despite that early loss that Robesi Ramirez had, he is a, a tremendously talented fighter, and he has a good uh, offensive arsenal, and. Looking back, I, I don't think, you know, in two or three years, anyone's going to look at that loss that Nova had to Robesi Ramirez and think it's embarrassing. It's just going to look like he lost to an exceptional fighter. And it, it happens to anybody. Um, and Nova's stock is going up. Uh, we'll see what if he can uh, uh, make some noise, like I said, in a very wide open 130-pound division. Yeah, Ramirez going in with always like dog bay next. Uh, yep. Andrew Thicket says Italian's been weak since Mussolini, to be honest, as a, a second generation or whatever you are generation Italian. Matty, um, do you miss old Benito, gone but not forgotten? No, I, I generally hate fascist Steve and the uh, the new party in Italy. The one gal from that party in 2014 said that they are the ears of Il Duce. I'm not a fan of that. Um, but when it comes to Italian boxing, we are not Il Duce. We are Il Duque. Um, definitely poo, definitely poo. I have, I can't say anything good. The last, last decent Italian boxer we had was Leonard Bundu and he was an immigrant and, and now they're trying to keep the immigrants out. So Italian boxing is fucked, Steve. It's Remember Michelle Picciarillo? Remember him? Yeah. Picciarillo had some, had some good fights. Uh, didn't, uh, he beat didn't, Corey Spinks, didn't he? He did. And then didn't, didn't, uh, Vernon Forrest beat him up pretty good when, yes. when Vernon came back. Yes. And, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was 2006, 2007-ish. But Picarillo yeah. was a pretty decent fighter. And then there was that. Uh, there was a pretty decent cruiserweight, uh, Giacobbe Fragomene. He, he oh, was yeah, a he had a great fight fighter. with David Hay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fragomene was a good fighter, but uh, it seems downhill for the Italians right now, uh, both in politics and boxing. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that my Dago brethren will get it together. Yep, it's all downhill for the Italians, apart from if you're in the tennis industry. Shout out to Guido Vianello. <laughs> <laughs> you you wonder if he like, beats the shit out of like criminals with the fucking tennis racket. Or <laughs> he's got a lot of options. He can punch him, tennis racket. Uh, he's a versatile policeman, uh, the kind of man you want uh, working the streets for sure. 
Absolutely. In the spirit of Mussolini, we're all about versatility here. Let's have a look through the chat. See who's floating about at the bottom of the pond. We've got Michael Thompson there from the Nutters Group. Shout out to Michael. Uh, Ricky Graville's with us as well. So is Jim McDonald Boxing. Is it the real one? Who knows anymore? And uh, Matt Butters is here as well. So is the Dr. FMG tuning in from Down Under. We've got Rob Wood in there as well. Ben Russell, Andrew Thicket over on Facebook. Uh, Big A is always with us every Saturday evening. Shout out to him. Harvey Price Boxing Returns, returns as well for a bit of Sunday evening action. I think I saw someone, was it Martin Mulligan earlier? I haven't seen that name before, so shout out to him. Uh, Des is here as well, so is Tay Games. Chase Athletics, our American correspondence as well. Just scrolling on up chat here, see if there's any names that I have missed out on. Uh, Mark Stanton, always good to see him as well. MB is a regular contributor. Veltschmerz as well, uh, seems to be a bit of a Vianello fan. And let's see if we can find one more just before we slide into Canada. G-Poker as well, shout out to you. I'm Chris Butler, just sliding in at the end there. Uh, Canada, Matty, you're imploring us all to watch this female fight between Kim Clavel, 16-0, and 0, losing her titles or losing to Jessica Neri Plata at, uh, what weight was this? Light flyweight, women's light flyweight boxing, Matty, on a Friday night. Are you out of your mind? No, I was not out of my mind, Steve. This was a fantastic fight. Um, and it's early in the year, and I'm trying to just, you know, write down things so I don't get lost. And until that uh, Nova Lopez fight on uh, on Saturday night, it was the clubhouse leader for fight of the year, Steve. It was mm. the clubhouse leader. In uh, what was a uh, had a lot of close rounds, but where uh, Jessica Neri Plata was just able to edge him out a little bit um, with better combinations. She was able to follow up with a nice left hook to the body to clean up a lot of the work at the end of uh, the exchanges. Uh, she had a height and reach advantage over uh, Clavel, and she used it very well at times. Uh, a deserved winner. There was a fight earlier in the evening between, uh, I'm trying to remember the gal's name. Her initials are MPH and uh, a gal from uh, Mexico. And the gal from Mexico got absolutely hosed on the cards. Uh, one card, she didn't even pick up a round in a fight. She had an argument of winning. So going into the into the cards, I thought that Neri Plata might be getting screwed there in Canada, but they gave her the decision in a fight that uh, she definitely uh, won the better amount of rounds on. Uh, there was kind of getting into the later half of the fight. Uh, Clavel was having some good moments, getting in closer, throwing some overhand rights, uh, getting some better work in. But uh, but Jessica was able to do a very good job closing out the show in a fight where she was a five and a half to one underdog as well, Steve. Uh, and uh, Joe Kennedy and I picked up a little bit of change on that one, the man Joe Kennedy. Um, so that was a, it was a big upset in Canada, but the experience gap was huge with Neri Plata over her uh, near 30 fight career at that time, uh, having uh, almost 100 more professional rounds than Clavel. And that experience really showed in the ring. Um, and again, a very good fight. And uh, for those people that uh, that dismissed watching it and chose to watch Ajagba against Shaw, oh, they missed a far superior fight because this was levels more entertaining than Ajagba versus Shaw was 100%. Well, you have good company, Matty, because Matt Butters as well of the same name, uh, he says fight of the year already. He sat and watched it and scored the whole thing. So fight of the year already for Matt Butters. There you go. I, you know, I, I, just, I think that Nova one, 
Um, it, it, that might just be because there were some good rounds in the, towards the end of the fight, the eighth and the tenth, I think. Um, and honestly, Steve, that's something we, uh, I didn't even mention. Right now, for me, and it, it's, it'd be a hell of a round to beat, I think it was the tenth round um, of that uh, of the Lopez-Nova fight is, is up for round of the year right now. But I wouldn't argue with Matt that, that you pick between the two for these first few weeks of the year, which is the best fight so far. Um, they set a pretty high bar. Um, especially for the female fight of the year, because it was it was a good scrap. Um, and we got Amanda Serrano going in the ring here in the next couple of weeks. Alicia Baumgartner on the same card. I'm expecting them to maybe pair them in a match, which could be a scorcher in the middle of the year. Um, I am expecting women's boxing to only pick up steam um, after what after the banner year that 2022 was. And because these fights, they do deliver a lot of the time if we're looking at the upper echelon of the sport. Um, and, and they're a lot cheaper to make than the men's fights as well. So I think we're going to see more of them. And I really hope that we're going to see Jessica Neri Plata take on Sinesa Estrada at 105 pounds or 108 pounds uh, for their belts. Uh, so that uh, that is definitely, I think that's moved in the position to one of the top five fights I'd like to see in women's boxing right now. And um, considering if on Michelle and uh, Bob have a fairly decent relationship more often than not, I don't think that's going to be entirely impossible to make. So look for that one maybe to happen mid-year. Let's hope so. Women's boxing is picking up steam. You heard it here first, everybody, on episode 506 of the Boxing Solid Notes podcast. Our resident female fight expert, Matty, is here. So is Andy, Ozzy, and me, Steve. Let's have a look through the questions before we get on to the picks for next week and the previews, bit of prediction league, bit of value of the week. So we have a couple of questions in here. First of all, friend of the pod, he's in the chat tonight, Matt Slippery Butters has thrown in a question here. Andy, we'll go to you first on this one. Anyone is free to answer. Might be a good question for the pod, says Matt. Let's find out. After Fury and AJ pack it in and retire, who is the next big pay-per-view star that will cross over to the casuals? Do we even have one? It's quite a difficult question, this. We get this from time to time, Andy, because sometimes, I mean, the likes of AJ, you can see it a mile off, but the likes of Fury, at some point, people were picking David Price to knock him out. So they they kind of come from the depth. Sometimes you're not really sure, Mm -hmm. and then they, they emerge. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming he's talking about the UK, for example. I mean, yes, talking, I think do so. Do you yeah. have one? So, um, I suppose the, the, the quick answer is no, really. Um, trying to think, really, what have we got? What's, what's turned pro? Maybe, maybe you fight, but he fights, he's a flyweight, so that's maybe not going to happen. Eubanks had his time, didn't he really cross over as such? Um, so yeah, Fury and AJ is probably it at the minute. Um, Awesome. Thank you. I can't think anybody off the top of my head just now, so it's not really... Gervonta Davis. No, but UK, mate. He's, oh, he's already guy. a pay-per-view star. He's had about four, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Even Eddie's trying to sign him. That tells you how bad fucking Eddie needs him. Um, no, nothing. There doesn't need nothing, really. Ben Whitaker, somebody yeah, said... Yeah, Ben Whitaker, most... Adam Azim's name get it's mentioned. It's a light heavyweight, pa- eh? Light yeah, heavyweight. Pa- Pay-per-view, it's, it's it's you know, it's a different level altogether. It's hard sometimes. Yeah. I mean, going back in the day, people looked at the likes of James DeGale, even Alex Arthur at a point, nailed on stars. And sometimes it just doesn't quite work out to the level people are thinking about. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they took a risk trying to take AJ America to try and crack that market. And look what happened. Take an L, then you're quickly forgotten. Could happen. I mean, Matt Butters is putting on uh, that Moses uh, um, Itamu, but he's, 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 what is he? he's only just turned 18, 19. He's going to be fighting for the British title for about two years, I think. You would be twenty-one or twenty, possibly, to fight for the. British. Remember when Dubois turned pro? He, you know, mm-hmm. he, you see people mature and develop mentally as well as physically. 
And you, Joe Joyce, you know, obviously lengthy amateur career, and he's still he's still growing. Even what is he, 34, 35? 36. So he's still growing at this point. Maybe not a pay-per-view star, but um, um, you mentioned Ben Whitaker, but he's, he's still emphasizing his career at this point. And he's, he's got that attitude about him as well, hasn't he? That it's going, it's going to be like Marmite for a lot of people. Um, so it might rub up some the wrong way, but you just don't know if it's going to affect him as well. Depends uh, on opponents too. You've got to have pay per view yeah. opponents. You've got to have rivalries. Like the likes of Brook and Khan was built in and it matured, it matured over time. You could see the likes of Whitaker, Azim, because on the same promotional stable, maybe putting in a pay per view together, like bulked out rather than just one of them carrying it. But you need opponents, yeah. you need personalities that people can resonate with. Eddie's hoping for Connor Ben, obviously, to kind of make the, make the step up. But. Uh... Know how that ended. Um, yeah, Eubank Jr. Oh. brings in the casuals to be fair. That's pay per view next week, which we're going to touch on yeah, shortly. That's true, but uh, is it? Is it? I am sure it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, well, not here. Thank God. Yeah, I'm not be a pay per view for you, mate. You'll be fine. He'll find a way of paying for it, though. I am struggling. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm still struggling actually trying to think of a name. I, I'm, I'm trying try to think like even somebody coming through for like, the amateurs at this point. Eubank's the biggest name in in British boxing outside Fury and Joshua, without Next a doubt. Next yeah, absolutely. Do he, he does he does he does numbers. Like you know, he, he sold out this um, sold out the arena pretty much against Liam Smith. Again, he is a fantastic you know like talker. People turn out to see him. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of buys that will do for it. Um. It's tough, isn't it? You know, like he's I, I would say, as well, so he's no young. Yeah, he can be the sport in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, what what we what we define in this pay per view star, you know, longevity. How many fights do you have on pay per view? Um, how many years do you do it at the top? You know, you can argue Derek Chisora has been a bloody pay per view star because <laughs> how many pay per view fights has he had? You know, it, it's weird to look at it. Really, it, it's wow. difficult to pinpoint. Um, Looking at it, Adam Azim, quite possibly. You know, he's got excitement. Um, he's headlining shows already. Uh, they're matching him quite well. Um, so you would say him who's coming through. But the last thing that we want is him going on pay-per-view, you know, at 14-0, and 0, and that's him done for, you know, pretty much the rest of his career. Boxing needs to change. and We want to see pay-per-view fights that are the right fights, not, you know... Ones that now, oh, we need to generate more money to make these fights happen. These promoters have made this mess, you know, if you're making stupid offers, you know, for basically for fighters that don't warrant that sort of cash, and then other fighters quite rightly get wind. They're giving, they they're giving these guys over uh, over a million bucks a piece for eliminators, not even title fights. I know, eliminators. I know, I know. I know. It's, it's unbelievable. So. And, and the market is out of control. It is out of control. But but no, in terms of, it's a difficult one, really. I definitely think, you know, there's people coming through. But like like you said, Andy, you know, like um, Galal Yafai. But will people want to tune in, you know, and pay extra money to watch, you know, some of the smaller weights? You know, I just don't think there's the interest there. Um, tough question, but... I would say Eubank's probably got the longevity. I think if he beats Liam Smith, his next fight will certainly be on pay-per-view again. I think, you know, realistically, Eubank's probably on pay-per-view uh, going forward. 
pre-failed drug test, I would have said Connor Ben mm. would have been the next one for you guy, the way he was being built. But I think that is potentially out the window now for the foreseeable. I was trying to think, Andy, when when did Khan get made pay-per-view? Was that it was Oshin Fagan, wasn't it? The comeback from the Brady's knockout. Was that his first pay-per-view? Um, no, no, the, the Prescott fight was pay-per-view, mate. Itself sure. was pay-per-view, right. Okay, oh, yeah, I'll try to remember. Pretty, pretty positive. You might say, I'll just double-check that. I thought um, it was Salita, but then I thought, no, it was before then, because Barrera was pay-per-view. I think it was... Something tells me Fagan, the comeback, was pay-per-view, but then I can't remember if Prescott was or not. Seems a bit weird bringing him back on pay-per-view after he'd lost, but... Not that it really matters. I don't know. Maybe someone in the chat. Oh, Prescott. Yeah, Prescott. Ben Russell saying. Prescott. Steve, Steve, I got a hunch. Just throwing this out there. I I think you're going to see a pay per view fight in the next three years Barrera. between the Barrera fight between uh between Bam Rodriguez and uh, and Yafai. I I think that that is going to be something they'll build into a pay per view fight potentially. I think. Because my feeling is just the match room and the DAZN fucking thing going on. Obviously, we'll see how long that lasts. But I, I do believe that that uh, that Bam has the makings of carrying that Cinco de Mayo Mexican Independence Day pay per view torch that Canelo currently has. Just my feeling. Who did you mention again? Then sorry, Matty, I was looking through the chat. Bam Rodriguez and. Yafai in a pay-per-view fight. Now, how many pay-per-view fights will I have before that? I don't know. But I have a feeling that fight's going to be built up over nah, the coming years. I don't think anyone would pay for that, to be honest. I don't know. I could be wrong. I suppose any, anything could be pay-per-view these days. You know, that, God, that'd that be fun to get that on a Canelo, maybe on a Canelo undercard. Kind of the way that they, they built Canelo up on Mayweather undercards. You know, do that for somebody else. Because I think on my side of the pond, the, the, what really drives the pay-per-view market um is uh is is a lot is more often than not the the mexican audience and i looking kind of in the future i think the bam is is going to be that guy um just a hunch mm -hmm. they're still debating the chat about con chris butler thinks like me it was Barrera, fagan. I think it was, fight, mate. Mate, was it Barrera? right okay fagan was definitely on sky it wasn't he'd gone he'd finished with itv because prescott was on um sky because it was the, the new coach wasn't he? he left oliver harrison and got to jorge rubio and Rubio picked Prescott as the opponent, and then he never worked with he never worked Oops. with Rubio again. Frank Warren fucked him up. <laughs> oh dear! Anyway. Now that's a really entertaining ninety seconds of boxing. <laughs> he came back well. He did well for himself, did Amir? Exciting fighter. Yeah, he did. He was a good fighter. Anyway, well, Donnie's not here. It would take a half hour to finish this discussion now. Oh, well, we're going to ring Andy later. Hi, I Donnie in the phone to me last night. Oh, fuck me, man. He's he's branched into the world of boxing management, so uh, yeah, I've been talking space. to him. Oh fuck me, man! Why doesn't he branch into the world of Sunday night podcasts? Uh, I need to speak to you about that then, because I kind of find the hiding of tail of this fighter he's talking about. He's 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 skiing in New Hampshire this weekend, I think, because it's a three day weekend. He's doing the things that uh, that uh, well to do white people do in his part of the country. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Donny, we pray for him. Anyway, Kevin's throwing in a question here. I'm going to go to you on this one first of all, Matty, because you're kind of the outside view, and then the boys can jump in if they want. Given these misfit boxers are gaining popularity and a lot of attention, what can the real boxers and promoters learn to turn boxing's fortunes around? I was just on Boxer X, says Kevin, to check the schedule, and not one show is arranged this weekend in Britain. Are the big promoters waving the white flag? They have no problem with conflict of schedule against each other, but won't challenge the upstarts. What's going on, Matt? 
I, I think part of the problem is the boxing hasn't learned how to use social media very well. And, and all these shit fights that you're seeing are social media stars. So they build up a beef and they have a bunch of people watching their beef go back and forth and then they get in a ring. So it's, there's all this promotional stuff that happens months, years ahead of time that does this legwork and it has this bizarre audience. Um, uh, boxing and, and I don't think bo- like cele- let celebrity and boxing and this shit be what it is. Um, and if you want to, they haven't had a thriller card in for fucking ever, but you want to do that with a thriller card and put, you know, regular fight on there too. fucking have at it. I, I think if the boxing promoters are looking in the direction of, 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 you know, beefs and shit like that, they're going the wrong way. The way that we get boxing going in the right direction again is by boxing promoters working across the aisle to put together the fights that networks would like to purchase. Just because you don't have a deal doesn't mean you can't come to the table and say, we got so-and-so fighting so-and-so, and and, uh, would you be interested in airing this fight? And if I can say, well, yeah, we can make money on that. And it's, it's got to make sense, you know, and, uh, Right now, I mean, it's the boxing promoters, if they're looking into the doldrums of the fighting world and YouTube, they're looking in the wrong direction because that shit is its own weird product and has nothing to do with anything. Boxing needs to be made better by making competitive fights that the people want to see and not sidestepping bullshit because you because it doesn't work for your network and things like that. There's got to be some give and take or we're going to really lose the sport and lose uh, a lot of these outlets and guess what if there's not regular networks and, and streaming outlets to see these things everything's going to be some sort of a pay-per-view and that's not a good way to go is that your way of telling the listeners we're going pay-per-view matt yes we'll be taking sponsors <laughs> no matter what it doesn't matter we'll be talking about shaving our balls next match you season underpants <laughs> Talking about adverts, Steve. What about that one on ESPN last night? Oh my God! Which one was it? The was it the fucking Wells Fargo one with them that couple having no, the, no, the date or the uh, pancake one? No, the pancake one. It was it soft and fruity, tutti fruity or something? Fucking garbage! You missed it. I would love to burn down that franchise chain. That's one. Every commercial break it came on by, but that shit was getting aired. I almost put my fist through the computer monitor, man. It was like fucking. Oh, it was some of the worst shit. I've seen. And it's, it's so fake, too. The acting's awful, man. Fuck me. Get that off my cooking screen. The best commercial on American television at this time, it's uh, it's a, a gym commercial trying to get your energy levels boosted. And there's this guy holding a balloon that's like not even nearly blown up all the way. And he says, because of low E, I can't even blow this guy. And I just lose my shit. <laughs> well, Matt. With the greatest of respect, you see when you watch the ESPN cards and the PBC and all that, and you see these American adverts in between, you can see why some of the Americans are so fucking fat, man. I'm I'm sorry to to put it that way, but some of the food that you like, not you personally, obviously, some of the food that's been sold there, there, man. Half a shit's got fentanyl on it these days. (laughs) Well, I I think, can you, like, the food here is so bad for you. If John Fisher lived stateside, he would weigh (laughs) another 100 pounds. It's, it's, yeah, it's frightening. (laughs) <laughs> what's right, that Andy? What, what, what would john fisher be 100 pounds heavier if he, if he ate what? more sugars a lot of our corn syrup. far more sugar and, and uh, corn right. syrups and shit in our food for sure and then he, it'd be really tough for him to sell tickets for his son because he'd need one of them motorized scooters to get around oh yeah i've seen them he will have one about this matter you could see this in between the next espn advert the bosch 
Spanish Bosch, Il Bosch, German Bosch, Z Bosch, Greek Bosch, Yamas Bosch, Welsh Bosch, Boyle Bosch, Scottish Bosch, Muck Bosch. There's just... There's just so many. Oh, what the flying fuck is this guy on about? Oh, fuck you, <laughs> What, are you offended by Scottish Bosch, Andy? No, are, are you Boschless? No bosh. It should be cunt Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel like we've gone off track here somewhere. Um, yeah, Andy, what about the Misfits? This is just something that's gonna, just going to be oh, mate, happening from on. now on. Is it? I mean, I'll tell you what, Matty mentioned about Triller going by the wayside. Probellum have gone by the wayside as well. Yeah. But luckily, we, we, these institutions have disappeared, but all of a sudden, just by chance, in unrelated news, you have the likes of Marv Nation, BLK Prime taking their place. So there is hope for the sport. I mean, oh, we talk about Marv Nation, for example. You had uh, Regis Progre on Twitter kicking up fuck because his million dollar check hadn't he hadn't he had bounced when he fucking put it through. So we still got that sorted. That was that misfit stuff on the zone last night. I think so. Yeah. This is the company that was some. I think Chris, uh, uh, Chris Williamson posted on Twitter that had another billion dollar loss again or two billion. Oh yeah, that's up for billion. Two billion dollar. Oh, two billion dollars, mate. Hell, just shut the doors, close the lights, man, and fucking padlock the door shut. Um, it's, it's failed. And you know, the fact is, I mean, was 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 there a dwarf fight on this card? That, <laughs> did I make that up? Well, I don't know, was it? There was a there was there was a dwarf kicking about. I thought it was Sugar Ray Leonard's fucking pal in a carnet coming back there. I mean, it, it's it, I seen him like you know, was that a weigh-in or something like that. He was getting pushed about the place like 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 little man for fucking. Uh, oh it? no! I, th- I saw yeah. that, Andy. That was a few months ago, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah, I think so. That was on a different card, actually. Right. Yeah. Don't just miss yeah. the he little was... people, man. Lucha Libre fucking uh, midget wrestling is incredibly entertaining. Watching midgets do fucking flips off fucking the top rope and shit like that—it's fucking great. They're yeah, really entertaining. He got the short straw on his purse, though. Apparently, so he says he wasn't fighting on his own anymore. No stunt or growth if it has a bad landing, then will it? Did you hear? <laughs> Did you hear that uh, that he got kicked out of the uh, the nudist colony? Yeah, no. kept getting in everybody's hair. Steve, but I seriously, Steve, I used yes. to date. I used to date a midget gal, and it oh, was no. inc- it was incredible. It oh was, yes, enough to cut no, this. It was on, it was incredible. I loved it when she would go up on me. Uh, <laughs> but you used to hang her up in the wardrobe so you could bang her, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've done Kevin's <laughs> question justice here. <laughs> but it's, well, it sounds like a misfit kind of conversation, you know? Oh, dear. Oh, the chat's some good ones here. Anyway, um, Ozzy, give I us a shake. I can't believe that Matty banging dwarfs, man. What the fuck next? Even though they went that low. <laughs> no, I, I didn't do that. It was all the setup, the joke. It was, it was all joke, the setup, right? the joke. Well, Mussolini, Every... dwarfs, and fat people have covered everything, right? Ozzy, quickly save us from this madness. Did you see the Misfits that's card? Ozzy's, that's Ozzy's yeah. route. Oh, he's a fat <laughs> people chamber. Tell us about the midget. Uh, tell us about the midget Italian fascist. Tell us about that's, the Misfits. That's obviously, card. where we're going. I haven't got a fucking clue about no midgets. I don't know why I, these questions are being posed at me. I have no idea. But no, I, I'm not into all that misfit stuff. Um, I don't understand, you know, why, you know, what what boxing fed like, you know, like what does it come under? Because it's not under the British Boxing Board of Control. Um, you know, it's just it's a complete joke. But one thing it does do, they put they sold out um the arena again last night. I saw a thread saying that people were queuing over an hour to get, you know, to get into the arena. And from the first fight until the last fight, it was full. 
And I've seen, you know, some boxers, you know, come out after it and, you know, and I get it's a different audience and things like that. However, the one main issue in boxing is there is a hell of a, there's a big problem in that a lot of people will turn up for one fight. So, for example, Johnny Fisher's on the card. The majority of his, you know, he does 2,500, 3,000 tickets. The majority will turn up, watch him leave. They don't stay for the main event. They don't really care. They only watch one fight. John's for the fucking Chinese. That's where they're going. After they well, he's on a diet. He's on a diet now, so he's on uh, a diet. So he's, cut, he's cutting down the Chinese. So I'm looking forward to seeing the weight loss journey with Big John. Anyway, though, whereas last night though, and, and it looks shite. You know, there's never an atmosphere for it because you'll lose. You know, like two and a half thousand. You know, people just leaving the arena because they're you know their fighter has boxed. And it's a big problem now. Does that alter the undercard, you know, being an issue? Um, and, you know, basically poorly match fights, yes. But at the same time as well, the promoters and the boxers themselves don't do enough to tap into, you know, essentially the casual markets. Boxing's an incredibly niche sport. We know that, you know, and it relies, you know, sometimes on the casual market, sorry, on the hardcore market, but a lot of it is on casuals. Well, you know, when some fights are doing, you know, like four or five hundred thousand buys, that is because a casual market will tap into it. And these fighters need to do more of it in tapping into that. You know, you see it all the time. Oh, I need sponsors, this and that. Well, what will you do for these sponsors? You know, not just, oh, I'll put you on that. What will you do for these sponsors? Do something more. Try and tap into these different markets. Because a lot of these undercard people, they're basically like Z-list celebrities or YouTubers they've got millions of followers and, you know, there's interest in, you know, the full card from top to bottom. And ultimately it will only go away when it becomes not profitable and successful. Now, DAZN, you've seen it himself. They're bleeding money, the hemorrhage in it. If they can start, you know, getting subscribers off the back of this, you know, misfit stuff, they're going to keep continuing with it. And actually they'll probably plow more resource into it rather than the actual boxing that they do. Cause they'll think, well, this isn't generating us subscribers, you know, whatever Golden Boy are doing on Matchroom, but this Misfit stuff, we're seeing big spikes in subscriptions and we'll stick with that. So the Misfit stuff actually could potentially pose a threat to mainstream boxing that if TV providers think we can get, we can get, we can generate cash from this, ultimately they're all businesses that will work. So it's, you know, it's not for me, but you know, it, Clearly, people like it. You can't do, you know, like 10, 12,000 tickets by accident. I've no doubt the tickets will be cheaper, which, again, I think, you know, is a problem in boxing. You know, the Anthony Yard fight against uh, Baturbiev, you know, cheapest ticket, 55 quid. You know, it's it's not a cheap, you know, thing to do if, you know, a couple of you are going, stuff like that, three people. Whereas, you know, previously, you know, I've been at shows where you can pick up a ticket, you know, ideally, you know, you may be in, you know, like the top tier, but you could pick up a ticket for, you know, the cheapest ones, like 35 quid or something like that. You into that 55 quid. And then you look at ringside as well. You're looking at a grand. Joshua fights three grand for a fucking ticket. It's like it's... It's because it becomes more of an event the tickets aren't, you know, essentially for a lot of people just aren't, you know, affordable. And that is why, you know, it will always struggle. Whereas last night, if your dearest ticket's 100 quid and you can go and fill your arena, you know, for that 35, 40 quid a pop, no wonder. So 
but mainstream boxing can learn a lot. And that's why Callis Sowland, who I have openly slagged off and I will do it again. This is why he will stick with doing this stuff. And then he dresses half of his, you know, his bigger names, like he has Maris Bradage dressing up as fucking Super Mario, chasing people. He thinks it works when actually it doesn't. He's not tapping he's into people. Callow, you know? Oh, he's a joke. He's an absolute joke. I mean, the one thing I don't get, though, is that why was Mark Tibbs allowed to work a corner on that? I thought if you're a British Boxing Board of Control licensed, you couldn't, you know, mm, go and do yeah. you know, random things like that. So Tibbs was in the corner. Tibbs probably Callis forgot. Sowland. He was B&B licensed, probably, didn't he? Well, true, yeah. Uh, but Sowland, you know, the promoter, essentially, you know, is British Boxing Board of Control licensed as well. So, you know, like, I don't understand why, you know, because they're quite strict on it from where, you know, if you're if you used to, if you had a board license, you couldn't operate with the amateurs and stuff like that. So, you know, it's a bit weird now they're allowed to go and, you know, jump into this. And I don't, are they deemed as exhibitions? I don't really know, but it's certainly odd. But, you know, what did they just sign with DAZN? Five-year deal? Proves Misfit is here to stay and it's only going to get bigger. Well, not with the midgets fighting, you wouldn't have thought. But <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but we could put them on stilts, so and they would be bigger. That's true. Grow their profile. Absolutely. Rob, misfits last night, pay per view on the zone. Midgets fighting, apparently. You in? Well, it would have been if I'd have fucking known. Um... <laughs> Sign me up. Where I've been advocating for the midgets for a long time, and it's been going, it's been falling on deaf ears. Um, trying to get them some more opportunity opportunities in pay per view sports. Uh, so now here we are, dream come true. I always kind of wanted one as an assistant, but I find it hard to kind of pick it. Um, where you get them, you know. That way, I saw one one day by the by the bus stop, but I didn't feel right about. Uh, making the approach at that stage. So I don't know really if there's any of the listeners that are a midget or anything and they want to hang out with me for the day, just go around fucking, do you know what I mean? L- look, at the low, look at the lower shelves of grocery stores, Rob. <laughs> it's a bit too low, a bit too low for me, you know that way. So like, I, yeah, stuff like that, you get in at the bottom of the shelf and stuff, you know what I mean? There's plenty of, I'm sure it'd be great crack. We can pay them with fucking the money we get from the Super Chats, um, which is probably what they'd fucking take it, you know what I mean? Uh, so I, I hope to see more of them. The little lads out, um, on, and girls, and girl, you know, as well, and and every everything in between, Steve. Um, yeah. so, so I don't know. I, I've heard a couple of interesting points on this um, YouTube shit. Now you know, obviously, we've made our feelings clear on it or whatever. I like your man Salt. Right. Yes. You there, Rob? Certainly a low level professional um, stint. But I've heard people say like that some of their kids and all are going to the gym and taking up boxing because they're looking at it's You're breaking up pretty bad, Rob. You might have to WWE. Shout out to Dave Lee who, who loves all that. Um, so maybe bringing a new generation through. Hey, Rob, you're breaking up pretty bad. You might have to hop on and off real quick, man. That's not just for me, then. Can you not hear me, then? Eh? No, I hear you just fine. It was just Rob. Okay. It may just right, right, right at the moment as well. Yeah, hopefully we'll get Rob back in again. He's just dropped off. He shall return, hopefully, to talk about the midgets or a Jagba or anything else. Let's move on to the action for next weekend while we try and reconnect Roberto. We're going to go to you on this one, Matty. Actually, let's try Rob first. You there, Rob? 
Can you hear me now? Yeah, Go I can on. hear you now. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. Listen, I'll tell you what, Rob. The fact that Jagba was fighting the weekend, Vianello was fighting, shows you how bad the fights were if we're talking about misfits. Yeah, like I, I I saw some some stuff about it online. Obviously, you know, jokes aside about the midgets and everything. Shout out to all the midgets. No, no <laughs> disrespect. To, no disrespect to them. But like, well, great um, bunch of lads. The a great bunch of lads. <laughs> um, mini, mini TK. <laughs> Sorry. <Robert. laughs> How far away are they? Anyway, um, fucking. I, I saw some opinions on it line online where people are saying, "Oh, my kids are going to the gym and that, like, because they're following the misfits, like, as if they're the WWE and that, like, and they know all the characters and they're fucking like, I don't know who the fuck any of these guys are. I know the name KSI. I know he's a YouTuber. I don't know what the fuck he does on YouTube or any of that shit. But my little one and all, she knows all this. She knows all the fucking characters and all that. Like, so maybe it is bringing people to the gym. And from a health and fitness perspective, in the fight against obesity, bash. It might be good for some of the young kids to take up training and take up boxing, but I'm not sure that boxers, the next generation of of boxers inspired by these YouTube guys is going to necessarily bring around the resurgence of the sport because boxing has forever provided an outlet for the the less privileged, um, the hungry, the fucking, you know, the the, the oppressed um, to, to go and fight against all odds to become, to, 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 to provide for their families and now we're just going to have a bunch of rich kids who are emulating fucking WWE shit um, it's an absolute joke like is it any wonder with this kind of fucking stuff on it and this stuff propping it up that zone lost 2.1 billion dollars in one year like is there any is mm-hmm. that a coincidence or not like they haven't been able to deliver on the fucking professional fight front whatsoever they're propping up their boxing fucking legacy with this sh- absolute trash and like the build-ups did you see that that idiot in the build-up as well what's his name i get to him on belly of the week i can't can't, it's just it's too painful like if you were to take it serious um it actually you'd fucking get arced about it but i i do find it funny that the likes um and i think it's been pointed out by brain king actually on twitter when likes of frampton and all like are are chiming in now and matthew macklin who are outraged at the state of boxing When it's been fucking propped up by YouTubers, um, <laughs> obviously fucking not the kings of self awareness there in Frampton and but Matthew Macklin. Really. Yesterday morning, uh, even Bellew was on, on about it. It's almost as if a text went out to all of them in the group chat, yeah. and they were they were required to provide a coordinated response, which has never happened in the past. Um, but yeah, you know we're fucking. It is what it is, isn't it? Slow fucking Saturday. No, fu- I tell you what, I would have watched Buglioni instead of that on a Saturday night. You know, so <laughs> absolutely nailed on. Did you he watch nothing back. at all, Rob? Ah, yeah. Like, I watched the fucking the Vianella and Rice, which was fucking, uh, fucking up my predictions. A lot of people had Rice for the for the upset. He literally didn't fucking throw one punch for the whole fight. Managed to, to land something in the ninth and a, and a big split across your man's fucking <laughs> eye caused the stoppage. And it was a bad cut, wasn't it? And Jagba Shaw, I think there probably might have been better fights on the fucking YouTube card, to be honest with you. It was piss poor, like, so, you know. But look, it's a slow week in January. That's the way it is. That's the way the season starts in boxing. It's a it's a slow burner. Let's hope we get, uh, you know, we've got a lot of big fights to look forward to now. Like, the one that was we were all wanting, like, uh, Earl Spence and Keith Thurman at 154 pounds. Mm. <laughs> fucking hell. I, 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 I actually can't, I fucking give up. Like, I see, see, I put that tweet out during the week that Earl Spence charged his fans $70 for a t-shirt saying that Terence Crawford was next to only to go and fight fucking announce a fight with Keith Thurman at £154 for no title I've had these mental case headbangers having conversations with themselves for the last three days because I put that tweet out um, defending Earl Spence 
as if he's Canelo or something, and he, he should just do what he pleases and this, that, and the third. Absolute fucking no case. The sport is finished, man. Finished because you got people supporting this. There's more people kind of supporting fighters doing what they want than getting them together. It's a joke. But anyway, fucking, I digress. Carry on. No, no, well said, Bob. Well, well said, absolutely. If we don't get to it this week, we might get to it next week. I know Oscar's kind of saying that Garcia, Tank Davis is hanging in the balance at the moment. So the sport's on skid row. We're just trying to keep it together with an elastic band every every Sunday evening. Matty, I tell you what, this is something to look forward to. A bit of positivity on a Sunday evening. In the Casino Miami, Donking Productions, Jonathan Guidry, the, sh- the shrimp farmer from, where is he from? Louisiana. He's going in against Bermain Stavern. He's only had 31 fights to burn. Feels like he's been around for On the undercard, you've got Trey Sean Wiggins, whose nickname is Trigger, which is, uh, I'm, I'm happy with that one, against Nigel Fennell. Uh, it doesn't sound very intimidating to me, to be honest with you. But anyway, Ahmed Albiali is on as well, who once got knocked out by Jean-Pascal. What's Don King doing, Matty? Getting the people who deliver his shrimp in the boxing ring? I, I, I don't know. This is a... And Stavern's got to be what 43, 44 ish in there. You know, I mean, he's uh, doesn't say he's, he's he's up there in age. This is just a it's a trash fight. Um, and uh, I mean, at least he's keeping some people active. Uh, Guidry had a pretty good uh, performance recently against someone they didn't expect him to, didn't he, Steve? I, I think my uh, he, take... he took tri- tricky Trev Bryan to a split decision loss. There you go. Yep, there you go. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's uh, go go Don King. I mean, I'm glad you're still putting on fights, but uh, you'd at least hope that he could do better than this. But I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, uh, a shrimp fisherman that comes to win against an aging Berman Stavern could actually be an entertaining fight, shockingly enough. We'll see, but I, I don't know if it's got television or pay-per-view or what, but it's nothing I think I would take uh, the time of day to watch unless there's nothing opposing it. Yeah, I might watch it. I think the, the main event might be funny in a kind of carnival way because um, last time Guidry knocked out Dickari Scott, who's about 280 pounds, and that was quite entertaining. So these two fat sluggers might put on a decent show. So shout out to Don King, although he did get us a, stri- a, a copyright strike for playing his shitty video a few months ago. So um, off you go, Don, off you go. Right, let's move on to the Manchester Arena. Um, no, it's, n- it's nothing to do with the bomber tattooed on his back here, but Ben Shalom, boxer, Sky Box Office, have got Chris Eubank Jr. against Liam Smith. Uh, undercard looking, ooh, Echo Esselman against Chris Congo is a really good fight. Richard Riatport against Christoph Klovaki is a good fight. I'm not sure about Parker against Massey. Fraser Clarkson against another pudding. We're just going to go straight on to the main event, actually. I thought it was a joke at first. We were talking earlier about it being Sky Box Office. World's gone mad. Some people will pay for it, though. Uh, Aussie, Liam Smith had a couple of tough fights with Liam Williams. Uh, we all saw what Chris Eubank Jr. did. He beat the shit out of Williams. We don't like triangle theories on this pod, so let's throw one in mm-hmm. here. Does that have any bearing on the outcome? No, not not for me. Um, you know, they boxed at completely different times in the career. Um, Williams had taken punishment, a lot of punishment since those Smith fights. So, yeah, I, I don't take anything from it apart from, yeah, maybe Eubank hits a bit harder. But that's it. But I would say Williams and Smith are two completely different fighters. I think this is a really good fight and a close fight to pick, actually. I think if you'd have asked me 18 months ago, you know, if if there was going to be, you know, these two were going to fight, who would win? I'd have gone, you know, very, very confident that Liam Smith would win, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not so sure as much anymore. I, I think Smith is fantastic value from a betting perspective. Because I do think it's close, and to get Smith at over two to one, I think is a good price. 
Um, I like Liam Smith. You know, I think he cops a lot of stick from basically because the family he's part of and the stick that the Smith brothers get. But I think Smith, you know, is I think he's a very good, decent, well-rounded fighter. Is he elite world level? Ab- absolutely not. No, but he gives. You know, he's a difficult night's work for a lot of fighters. I thought he was jobbed in Russia. Um, I thought, you know, coming off the back of a hell of a lot of inactivity, you know, you could tell it took him a little while to get going, but I thought he won that fight. Um, you know, he's come back, he battered Anthony Fowler. And, you know, I think that's what Smith is very good at, showing the levels. You know, he doesn't carry opponents. When he can get them out of there, he can do, and he beat up Anthony Fowler well and truly. Um, I forget who did he beat last. Jesse, he beat, he Jesse Vargas, he beat up Jesse Vargas pretty good. Yeah, beat fight. Jesse yeah. Vargas, he battered Sam Eggington as well. And then who did he beat last time? Oh, Hassan McQueenio, which, yeah, there was talk about that, but I thought McQueenio basically jacked it in, to be honest. You know, bottled it. Eubank Jr., he kind of is what he is. He went through this phase of trying to, you know, when Roy Jones Jr. came in, he tried to not necessarily adopt a bit of his style, but tried to box a lot more. And and that is one thing that Eubank is not. You know, he is not going to outbox you as such he needs to be explosive he needs to be quick he needs to let his hands go and whilst he's probably not got that concussive one punch you know power what he can do is he can overwhelm people and he throws shots in you know big barrages and ultimately that can be lights out for a lot of fighters so i think it's going to be close you know eubank has got arguably an elite chin so i don't see it going um smith you know being able to get him out of there um, and I think if Eubank wins, I think he will stop Smith, you know, more through overwhelming him more than anything else. That's saying, you know, I know I said 18 months ago, I was basically I'd have been 100% sure. I think I'm going to side with Smith in this. I think Smith's basically the better boxer. Yes, Eubank has probably got some fundamentals that could be a problem for Smith. But I like Smith's work that he can do. I think he works the body well. You know, he has been active, which is something that he struggled with for you know struggled with for a while now. He's operated at a better level. You know, arguably, you know, yes, he's fallen short, but I actually thought you know in the Canelo fight, Smith actually had bits of success in it. You know, he did let his hands go and he did land some shots, and he had terrible prep for it. You know, he suffered a really bad cut, couldn't spar, so he was essentially just doing road work, and that's it. Um, Eubank Jr., you know, I, I do question, you know, he can, he's clearly got some power, but how, how hard does he hit, you know? You know, Mark, he, he couldn't get rid of Marcus Morrison, you know, things like that. He's you an know, accumulator, just, isn't he? Like an overwhelmer. Yeah, it's absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But the fact is that, you, you know, you're not getting rid of someone like Marcus Morrison. Well, we saw what Zach Parker did to Marcus Morrison. So, you know, he's definitely gettable out of there. So I, I'm going to stick, you know, like sometimes you can overthink it, but, you know, I think, you know, Smith has got the better, you know, better CV. He's operated at a better level. He's active. Eubank is certainly not active as well. I just think Smith might be a bit too cute for him. Um, I think it'll be incredibly close on the cards. Uh, but I'll go for, yeah, Smith by, you know, a two or three rounds tops. But I think, yeah, he'll win on points. You're definitely sticking with that because I think Matty's got yeah. the prediction league. Yeah, yeah, I'm go- yeah. I'm going to go with Liam Smith uh, via a decision. Well, Ozzy's not the only one, as Matty furiously scribbles that down because Dare's respected boxing pundit, former fighter, says Smith can fight. I think his resume completely outstrips Eubank Juniors. He's travelled, turned fights around, proven he's above domestic level and has been around the sport at every level. Uh, Smith on points. Yep. 
good shout out there. Uh, Jim McDonald Boxing says, don't forget to hit the thumbs up as well. Also a good point from Jim. Hit that thumbs up if you enjoy listening to us on YouTube. Uh, Rob, one thing that I've noticed here, the Roy Jones situation, I was looking to see, is Jones still involved? Is he not? He's making comments saying he's not preparing Eubank for Smith. He's preparing him for the likes of Canelo or Golovkin. But that's more of a metaphorical thing. He's, he means he's kind of looking past Smith. He's preparing him for the bigger fights, and he is in camp here. How do you think the Jones thing's working out, Rob? Because at a time, Eubank Jr. kind of tried to mirror the, the unmirrorable Roy Jones, and he kind of got away from a style that had brought him great success. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. My, a, fr- a good friend of mine, uh, Jason Murphy from Extra Top Soccer Player, he's a big fight fan. He asked me the other day, he was like, "Am I missing something? Like, why is why is um, Smith three to one here to beat Eubank? Like, surely every time Eubank's gone up the levels, he's been found out. That is true, but I just think at one this fight being at one sixty, um, I think it's gonna say something for the fight being in Eubank's favor. Yeah, the Jones thing, I hated it. Like, I think it was the Morrison fight that Ozzy's talking about was when he was kind of emulating or trying to like do the wish version of Roy Jones. It, like, it, was, it was against that, like, Armenian or something. He did it the worst. Do you remember that that German-based, like, ca- yeah. Kazakhstani or something? Trying to yeah. pull off them fucking, like, single-shot athletic bullshit. Yeah, yeah that was, no, oh. and nobody could do that. Like, that, that was Roy Jones. Like, and I understand why Roy trains fighters like that, but, like, there has to be a bit of fucking... Um, of reality fucking in it as well. Like Eubank, Eubank is not even good enough to, to emulate his, his own dad, let alone Roy Jones uh, Jr. But look, listen, that's the partnership. It is what it is. They're training together. He's made, I'd say, improvements under Jones, but nothing eye-catching. And I think his career is a bit of a fucking myth to me. Like, it seems like it's slid by over the last 10 years without a, def- a career-defining fight. Um, You know, he beat the ghost of James DeGale. That's his best, that's his best win. Um, Lost against Groves with one arm, lost against Billy Joe in a close fight, like or whatever. But still, that was earlier in both of their careers. But wasn't that since, almost ten years ago now? But since then, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Since then, he hasn't won a version of a fucking recognized world title. He's IBO strapped twice, I think, at two different weights. Like it's it's he's really in it for the fucking money, and that showed it when with that Ben fight that was made. Um. And he's just, really that's all he's in it for. Like it's just he's just in it for paydays. And I think he believes he's getting Liam Smith at the right time. I think if there was any danger of him losing against the guy, he probably wouldn't take the fight. Interesting that he's calling out Gennady Golovkin's name now when he's nearly fucking fifty years of age, or whether he's not nearly fifty, but he's fucking forty-two or something. Like um, he's at the edge. He's at the end of his career in the, in the twilight. So he wants to fight him now. It's just it feels like he's gone through his entire career without actually win anything of note um, and just fiddled around the, the public and made some money for himself so look no, no knocks to him or whatever um, I favour him in this fight um, to I don't think stop Liam Smith but just maybe maybe stop him at actually even late I just think 160 is too much of a I, I don't think Liam Smith is a proposition at 160 I think all his best performances have been 54 um, and even at that I don't think he's been ever been world level not that Eubank is but um if I pushed on it, I'm going to go for um, Eubank decision. Uh, Matty, Rob making a lot of good points there. I think the Eubank, the real uh, crunch time for him, well, for me, sorry, came around the time he fought Matt Korobov back in, he'd beaten DeGale in February 2019. He went over to America. I think he had hooked up with Jones by that point, but he fought Korobov and Korobov like hurt his ankle or but his shoulder or something shoulder, in, the yeah, sec- yeah, in the second round. And f- I felt like that should have been the breakout night for me, that that PBC link-up, it was post-Gale. If he'd have had an impressive win against Korobov, they were talking about him fighting Charlo. 
And then he disappeared for 18 months. I know we had Corona and all that stuff. But 18 months later, he's back on UK soil. He's fighting Marcus Morrison on an undercard. And it just felt like that was the time then to really make that American breakthrough. And it just didn't quite work out. Well, you know, honestly, I think that if Korobov hadn't injured himself, I think he was going to be a fucking nightmare. I agree. I agree. For Eubank. I don't, I don't think that that was any given that that was his coming out party. That could have been his undoing, actually. Um, but I, you would think, like basically Rob has said, that everything points in the direction of a Eubank victory in this one. one. But one of the things that's lingering in my mind, Steve, is that maybe he's overtrained. How long has he basically been in, in in training considering going back to the uh, to when they were trying to make the Connor Ben fight happen, right? I mean, this is maybe he got a month off in the middle, but he's basically been in hard training for, you know, four out of five months, maybe a little bit more. So mm-hmm. that gives me a little bit of pause. I think it's it's work for him to make 160. Um, so it um, – yeah, it, it's that's the one thing holding me off on this, and it's a really difficult decision. And everyone's throwing in their opinions, Steve. And like, it's uh, we were we were trying to get to this regularly, but like, uh, you know, uh, it would. Uh, we hopefully I was wanting to randomize this, and I got these pieces of paper here to pick from. I'm going to throw them on the floor here, and we'll try to go in order from here because I don't want anyone to get screwed. Andy, you're next on your pick. Hmm? What are you I'm doing, Matty? What's going on I here? Threw, I threw paper on the floor for Prediction League with everyone's name written down. And he, I had and, a really good question to bring Andy with as well. You just fucking ruined it. Oh, well, God. Well, fuck that. Well, I'll finish then. All, all right. Next one will go in the order. Next He's one will go in the order. We had a plan, Steve. We Fine. had a plan. But anyways, I, 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 my hunch on this one is it's just, is is that it, it's, it's going to be Eubank Jr. But I say it with no great sense. I I think if he's wanting to really make a point though, and he's wanting to get the Glovekin fight, make it so that it's a fight that people want to see produces the money to get Glovekin over there to your side of the world. Um, I think that he's going to have to put in a hell of a performance in, in this one. He had his um, chance to fight Golovkin six years ago and he lost I, his pen. What's he playing at? I Well, he's take it's old man Golovkin now. There, it's not as scary yeah. of a proposition, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna echo Rob. I'm going Eubank points, but I'm doing it with with extreme hesitation, and I and I, I and I might just take a value punt on on Williams on this one, just because it's you know it's a long time training, and you wonder if he's phoning it in. That's, Smith, you're getting your Liam's mixed up. Or sorry, sorry, Smith, sorry, Smith. It's just I I, I think you I worry that Eubank could be one of two things: one, phoning it in; two. Uh, he could be overtrained, and that's my that's my hesitations on this. So I'm going Eubank points against my own in- intuition on this one. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, Andy. Actually, what Matty was saying there I was only slagging him. Like, was kind of along the same lines. I think this is Eubank's last fight on Sky, and he's with Wasserman. Can't see him wanting to go back on Channel Five. He's on pay per view, the biggest platform for boxing. So presumably it's in Ben Shalom's interest to keep hold of him, especially if he beats Smith convincingly. If this goes to the points, I can't see Smith getting well, a decision. Well, I'm going for Eubank uh, split decision. I know that doesn't matter. I was listening to Ozzy what he was saying, and when he picked Smith to win by by stop, uh, sorry by decision, I think I was thinking along the same lines. You know, we've seen some dodgy scorecards on boxer shows uh, over the course of the last year. Um, 
if if you want if you want a as 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 said as well is if you want a pay per view star in your books for a wee while then you, it's, it's the best interest that you bank wins this fight. Um, just the about Liam Smith now. I mean, against Korobov, for example, I just felt if he was a wee bit more active and let the left hook go a wee bit more because I thought Korobov was pretty much within punching distance. I think he could have, he could have sneaked out a decision there actually. There um, was like two rounds before that thing was called. Yeah. No, so, Kaban. Are you talking about Liam Smith Kabanov? Kabanov, I the one yeah. in Russia. Yeah. You're thinking about Korobov, my. Yeah. There you go. Ah, Korobov. I'm talking about the Kabanov fight. Um. Where was I? Sorry. All aye, these Liams and Kabanovs. Aye. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, Christ, it's, pick a new name, England. <laughs> fuck me. It's, uh, in Russia's, and as and, and, and for you, you banking that. Obviously, everybody's seen. I'm trying to make weight for that Ben fight. He somehow, I don't know if it was all opp- PR opportunity. He decided to go ahead and try and make the weight, especially the second day weighing and that as well. He looked awful making that weight. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. As Matty mentioned as well, he's been in training camp, best part of four or five months. He's turning, you know, he's fighting next week, so he's not really had much of Christmas and a New Year as well, by the, by the sounds of it. So, 33 now, making weight, I, I don't know, maybe is this his moment when he hits the wall? He's, he's an enigma, Eubank. Obviously, I mean, when he's fighting trash, he'll come out and he'll just blast him away and just, like, throw punches for disregard, but... I think he's, he goes up, he goes up you know, obviously every time he's up in class and that, he's always trying to kind of like try and box, show he's a better technician than people kind of make him out to be. Um, try and kind of work on that jab a wee bit and that as well. But uh, I think he'll give Smith a lot of respect. Smith's, Smith's a, a solid operator, decent defence. You know, he's operated at fringe. Well, obviously, he mentioned the world title that he held, but it's, um, I would probably say nowadays he's probably going to have fringe world title. But you think of some of the trash that he fought as well with some of those defences and that you're thinking to yourself, really? But definitely crossroads fight for both guys. I'm going with Eubank decision. Probably will be tight on the cards. Um, you probably see openings for Eubank as well. I, th- I think Smith might get cut in this fight. You know, he had problems with cuts in the past and you know how Eubank kind of likes it can make it kind of messy and that as well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that. It all hinges on really how Eubank is probably going to approach us and that. But I expect it to be a bit of a boring fight, especially considering how Eubank likes to fight these days. Yeah. Uh, probably just kind of sneak out a, a 116-112 type decision. Uh, Smith will probably have his moments. I don't think he will be active enough, I don't think, to basically kind of catch judge's eyes. Unless, you never know, it's a fight at the end of the day, maybe he might pull something out of the bag, but I think it all kind of hinges and it's probably up to Eubank really to try to, to basically lose his fight. I think he's, he's probably in a kind of better position. As I mentioned, I think Sky need a need a name as well kind of host their flagship shows for the coming year at least year or two at least anyway mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Andrew Thicket great point in the chat he says 33 perfect Masonic age he gets the win uh, yeah lo- loving bit of Richard D. Hall there Rob bit of evidence based fucking uh, what's it evidence based research there from no. Andrew Thicket yeah <laughs> Steve I, just two little thoughts I, I kind of had yes, coming to me sure. while we're doing that one is I don't know that a draw is a tremendously unlikely outcome in this fight. Um, it, just Ooh. kind of thinking about that. I mean, that'll typically give 15 to oh, 1. Oh, here we like go. That. I bet you're all out of that one. No, I'm not changing my pick or anything like that. But <laughs> but, but, a, but a draw is not a, a, an unlikely outcome in this fight. But the one thing I was kind of thinking stylistically, uh, just another thing, and here I am almost talking myself in, into Smith again, is Eubank has those periods of inactivity in the ring, and 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 Smith is willing to put his punches together. He, he has no problem with that. 
And just as far as filling that empty space and time when Eubank decides to to do nothing at all, I, I mean, whether he's landing or not, uh, I mean, he's the guy working. It, it could be... It could be just one of those fights where where one guy lands cleaner shots and the other guy puts in more work, and and it comes down really really close on the cards. Um, it's an interesting style matchup. Thomas Newman says controversial early stoppage victory for Eubank. That is not completely out of the realms of possibility. I have visions of Smith lying against the ropes, his hands up with like the earmuffs. Eubank throwing a load of shots that aren't landing. A Off tentative referee jumps in, yeah, all of a sudden and stops it. Oh, is he and John Lewis back in the match? <laughs> I, I could see Eubank catching him with an uppercut on the inside. I, I could see that happen. And if Eubank wants to wing his hooks and uppercuts that, that he does best, I could absolutely see him catching him with something short uppercut inside. Did you manage to get all the prediction league information you need, Matty? I feel I bad for shouting did. at you. No, you're fine. I got all that in there. But yeah, for but uh, are we going to the, uh, to, uh, the uh, um, whatchamacallit? Uh, Echo uh, against Conga? Yeah. Yeah, are we going to that one next? Yeah, absolutely. You go first if you want. Okay. All right. I, I picked uh, I picked Andy's name out of the hat first on Ooh. that one, Steve. So yeah. So Andy, do you want to break that one down for us and give us a, your prediction and go first on that? It's the Chief Support Andy Echo Esserman against Chris Congo. Um, Congo, sorry. Very um, close to the books too. Yeah. Very close. Matty's put that as the second fight in the prediction league. Andy uh, Esserman against Congo. Um. Yeah, it's a tough one to call, actually. Um, Esmond's probably... on a decent little run. I was just, just going to pick him, actually. I, I was just yeah. going to go with Esmond, actually. Obviously, I was a bit impressed with his Antwi performance. Obviously, Antwi had that... Who was he beat the shit out of again? He was on his pod, Darren Telly. That's who it was, wasn't he? Um, yeah. yeah. So, I'm going to be... Yeah, I'm going to go... I'll go by decision, Matty. Esmond against Congo. I'll go with Esmond by decision. I could see, yeah, that that would drop me in. He's just a slight favorite in the books. Last I checked, um, so it, it's it, definitely an interesting fight. Um, it stood out for me. Let's see next. I got Rob. Rob is the next one. Yeah, I'll go with Andy on that one. Estimate on points. All right, and then next up we got Oz. Uh, Esserman on points. Really? Yeah. <laughs> D- diff- good fight. Good, good fight. Echo Esserman. Very, very good. Um, you know, high work rate. You know, incredibly difficult to beat. I think he's been impressive in everything that he's done. He can box. You know, boxed at high level as an amateur. You know, I think he's. We'll say cruised through, you know, but yeah, well, yeah, do you know what he has? You know, I think his most difficult fight was probably his last moments against Samuel Antwi. And after a slowish start, he, you know, he, he really went through the gears and ended up winning a wide points decision. Uh, Congo, you know, became, you know, was, became well and truly unstuck against Michael McKinson, was dropped as well. Uh, and then, you know, since then, he's had a couple of wins, one, you know, a routine win, and then he boxed uh, Sebastian Formella, which, you know, Again, we, we've seen, you know, Formella is okay. He's quite basic without being spectacular. I think Esmond will just outwork him. Uh, I think he's got distance written all over it. Um, I think there's a reason that, you know, Queensbury have allowed, you know, um, Esmond to jump on this show and defend his titles because they fully believe he'll win. And, I, and I'll stick with the champion. And I, I think he'll, uh, I think this will be, I think if he gets this, he'll win his British title outright, I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, um, certainly sick, sticking with Esserman on this one on a uh, 
on a decision win. All right. Steve, there's two left. Let's see if it's you or me going first. Oh, it's me. And, and Steve, I'll tell you, I'm going to I'm gonna go Essamon, but I'm going to go with the stoppage on this one. And I know you look at their records and you'd say, well, that, that doesn't make much sense. But let me offer two points on that. Yes. Getting dropped by Michael by Michael McKinson is not a good sign for Congo. And Essamon, in his ledger of stoppages, has broken people's ribs and fractured a jaw. I think he's a better puncher than his record suggests, and I think Congo is 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 lacking in defense. So I, I'm going to go Essamon by a stoppage here. That's that's my lean. That's my my little lean. You'll get a good price on that. I, I bet I, I you're probably looking five six to one. Wouldn't you think at least on that? Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, he'll, he'll he's absolutely record. he's absolutely going to have a fucking bit of that as well, isn't he, Mister Fucking Three Hundred Dollars Down on his fucking gambling <laughs> accounts. <laughs> well, he's like been I on Brighton at the weekend. <laughs> well, like, yeah, I got Brighton over the weekend, and I got Neri Plot at five he and got a half. Brighton. To one. He's, got, he's betting yeah. on the soccer ball now. He doesn't yeah. even fucking watch the I was watching it. I was what watching it. And I'm that. like, man, what, Liverpool's you should... gonna get their ass kicked. They're not playing should... with any heart. You should uh, bet on that situation with the Everton player getting out in the street with the fucking options. <laughs> <laughs> ben, you should have what... done that, man. Should have done it. It was a Colombian boy. You, 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 the fucking scousers were rocking a quiet once you got out of the fucking car anyway. It was all nice as pie with him. Maybe but there's some get... connection between the Scousers and Colombia, Andy. Yeah, fucking running down the road, running down the road after him. And that. What's, his, uh, what's his name? I forget the player's name. He's in his fucking Jeep. And they're running down the road after him and then fucking nothing. Absolutely fucking... If I thought it was a Italian Hunters man and they fucking burnt his car out just to get him out of the fucking car. Mm. I mean, we don't like to see that, do we? No. Oh, of, course, oh. of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... The way yeah. he's gone anyway, the Everton fans are going to fucking burn the stadium before anything happens. Fucking Jesus. <laughs> Steve, I, I remember you were a big Congo fan, and I think you 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 directly said that you gave him the kiss of death after that McKinson fight. Are, are you back aboard the Congo train in, nah. at this moment? No, nah, I'm writing him off. I liked him after he beat, um, oh God, who was that Alciest to fight to he beat the young fella? Can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he, he beat him, and I, I was I was on the Conga train. I was wondering why nobody had signed him up, and I thought he's very talented. I still think that too. I know Essamon at times does have lulls in fights, but it's up to the opponents to take advantage of that. Uh, Tetley did to a certain degree, as Ozzy said early on. Samuel Antwi did as well, but Congo, I don't think he's got that urgency. There's something a bit a bit lethargic about him, and uh, Essamon's very awkward. And he hits a bit harder, as you said, than people suggest. So I think he's got Essendon points for me. You have made a convincing case for the stoppage as well, because you could see if Congo going into his shell, he got caught by McKinton, as you say, Essendon could put it on him. But I'm going for the safe bet of Essendon on points. I think he's matured really nicely. And I would love to see, um, Ozzy mentioned about them sending him over from BT Sports. I remember back in the day, uh, that Frank sent over Bradley Skeet to fight Sam Eggington for the Commonwealth and British on Sky, and he had big, massive Box Nation stickers on the side of his shorts for everyone to see. So hopefully Essamon will pull off a similar trick this weekend. I was just noticing as well, Essamon's got a top 10 ranking with IBF. I noticed I've got this shitty IBF European title on the line, plus a WBC bubble, British Commonwealth title. So I would imagine that if Essamon is successful here, he will climb up the rankings pretty big. So um, maybe, maybe, you just never know, he might get a call 
at some point, but he's in the wrong division really to try and get a title fight just now, and that means Spence is getting to fucking do what he wants, basically, isn't he? So yeah, yeah like it's just he's in a division of killers. You're talking, you're talking IBS, yeah, like but take all the eliminators well. and out that away, like. Basically, the guys that you're facing down for anything that matter there is going to be Spence, Stan Jonas, or Ortiz. And and those guys, three guys are all killers. Just to clear things up, Matty, Luther Clay was the person I, I was uh, desperately trying to remember, so shout out to Luther Clay. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think we got everything we want there. So we got four points uh, choices for Essamon, and I'm the only one that went stoppage there. Um, we also got this going on in the uh, the Patreon group. The guys are getting, gals are going to pick over there, um, and uh, it's still early in the league. You've only missed one week like Oz did, um, so uh, we're only three points behind. Well, uh, me and Oz, that is, because I didn't get anything right, and he wasn't here. Um, but uh, then we got uh, Steve and Rob one point behind Dear Andy there, so uh, yeah, we'll see how this thing shakes out. Like I said, if you want to get in on the action, you can always join up with our Patreon. We'll get you into the uh, Boxing Nutters group, and you can get in with that and all the great chat that we have in there. Great bunch of people in there, and uh, we have some good bullshit sessions for sure. Yep. And join yourselves over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. That is all of the action that we've got for next weekend. Looking forward to Smith against Eubank and a bit of Guidry as well and whatever's coming afterwards. Obviously, Charlo's U is not taking place. There, but There is a showbox card Ooh. on Friday night. Um, uh, there's nothing yeah. that I really saw on there to speak of that I thought was, you know, the uh, the fights were that interesting just on, on eye level. But um, mm-hmm. Otto Wallen is somewhere down that card. Oh. Um, and, and they always have some prospects on there. So if you're looking for something, when you guys wake up on Saturday morning, you should be able to get some fresh showbox action when you wake up. Yeah, the Friday night cards are sometimes good, Matty. A bit of pro box live, bit of show box. They do tend to be well matched, if nothing else. Samson Lukovic does a lot of the matchmaking. Yeah, and you know what I like about Samson, but, I mean, not to go too long into this, you look at a lot of the fighters. I mean, he's in the ring with a lot of guys and these eliminators and stuff on these show box cards. Samson throws a lot of darts, man, and, and he doesn't always pick winners, but you throw enough darts, you pick, you get some real aces in there, and, and that's Samson's game, and he's found some exceptional fighters through the years. Yeah, yeah, so hopefully those darts are spring-loaded. Ozzy, go ahead on that undercard. Anything on the sky? You just want to jump in there, react poor maybe? Yeah, the, I think there's a couple of other interesting fights. I think one random one, which is Joe Parker against Jack Massey, just one of these really random, you know, matchmaking uh, opportunities. Um, I'm good. It's good to see Parker, you know, bouncing back, you know, and staying active. You know, he had a hard fight against Joe Joyce, and it would be easy for him just to sit on the sideline, do nothing, and wait for you know like that next big opportunity. Instead, you know, Massey's coming up in weight. Parker will get him out of there, and he should do as well. You know, I like Massey, but he's no business being at heavyweight. Uh, another good one in terms of matchmaking is Poor against Glowacki. Uh, I think it's a really good fight for Poor. You know, I think Glowacki, you know, we, we've seen, you know, a, a Coley absolutely brutalised him. Um, and I think, you know, Poor will probably be looking to do something similar in that essence. But that's saying, though, I, I like Reactpo, but at the same time, I've not always been sold on him. Um, I, I thought the Dion Juma win was quite good for him, actually. But, you know, I think, you know, I thought Billum Smith, you know, could have easily got that win. I thought, pretty sure Jack Massey had some success against Reactpo. And I think on the night, I think a couple of people did shade it to Massey as well. So I think Glowacki, if he's got anything left, could certainly pose some problems. But, you know, I think he's been picked for a reason. But I do like the way the matchmaking with him, you know, keeping him active, trying to build him. And they're ultimately eyeing up that, you know, WBC title for uh, Ilunga Makabu. 
a um, couple of other prospects on the card, and then the only other one is uh, Fraser Clark. And this opponent is incredibly disappointing. You know, I know you know it's only his fifth bite, um, but this guy has operated, you know, at the highest amateur level for years now. Why the fuck are they messing around, you know, with idiots like Kevin Nicholas Espindola? I mean, who the fuck is that guy? You know, he's coming over. He's not going to come to win. You know, Solomon Dake has beat him, like, basically comfortably. It, there's just no value. And I don't understand the matchmaking of, you know, what they're trying to do with Clark. You know, he's 31. He's not getting any younger. And I think, you know, in comparison, you know the way they match Joe Joyce? You know, Ian Lewison on, on debut. debut yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, th this is just a complete polar opposite. You know, he, every opponent, essentially, you know, aside from Sokolowski, and even Sokolowski has got, you know, no real business boxing, you know, um, you know, like high-level, you know, Olympians, that sort of stuff. He's more about, you know, like your, your Johnny Fishers and stuff that could come unstuck because they've not had that background, you know, Fabio Wardley's. Whereas, you know, Fraser Clark shouldn't be boxing like a Sokolowski unless it's going to be on debut or something, you know. The rest of it, you know, his, his career at the moment is a complete disappointment. And, you know, for somebody, you know, Sky don't really have that big heavyweight name, you know, that they certainly plays in the cruiserweight game. But when it comes to heavyweights, they don't really have anybody. And the one that they've got, they're just bumming around with them and putting them in with trash. And, you know, unless they're going to eye up, you know, a bigger fight next. But I'd love to know who it's going to be because the spikes to be made, you know, quite easily, you know, why didn't they look at potentially, you know, like why don't they look at making, you know, a Fraser Clark against Nathan Gorman coming up, you know, someone like that, you know, it, th these fights need to happen. Otherwise he's just going to be one of these that he's on a card and his name will not carry any clout. You know, you should be wanting to be excited, you know, look at who Clark's going to be fighting, you know, see him raise through the rankings quite quickly, you know, because again, he's 31 instead. He's just, you know, like, essentially, you know, dossing around. He'll have harder spars than his fight next Saturday. And, you know, something's got to change. And again, again I owe that to that. You're not going to have people, you know, flock into the seats to watch Fraser Clark because, again, again, he's against an absolute no mark. Instead, you know, they should be looking at, you know, I mean, I, do, I don't know how old you have to, you know, in terms of like how many fights you need to be to qualify for a, you know, a Commonwealth title. But, you know, maybe look at someone like, you know, Simon Keane or, bring over, you know, like uh you know, like a Jerry Forrest, someone like that. You know, if he's that good, you know no fucking around with him. Yeah, uh, is it Joey Dorjeko or something Dweco, like that? You know, yeah. Dorjeko, yeah. Someone like that, you know, really, you know, let, let let's up the ante a little bit. None of this just nonsense that they're putting him with because he'll fast become irrelevant and then when he does finally step up, it could be a case of he's too old and that and that's him done and dusted. So yeah, not for me. Not for me, disappointing. But I'd say I know it's pay-per-view and, you know, it might not be everybody's, but Sky, I've made some sort of an effort to put decent fights on the undercard. I'd say, you know, Esserman is a decent fight. I think the Glowacki react poor fight is pretty decent as well. I think, you know, had this been, you know, like, you know, a competitive fight as well, you know, you'd have been saying that actually, you know, even the Parker fight, you know, Parker's more for his name, but Massey will come and give it a go. Like Clark had a decent opponent, you'd have been saying actually... It's not bad value. Do, do you see some? Do you see some good value in uh, uh, Glowacki? I mean, he's paying like six or seven to one or something like that. I, I'm not sure. I, I think it's decent matchmaking, but I think you know, 
I can't remember the Akoli fight. I just remember the knockout and he was fucking badly banged out from it. And I mean, it's it's quite difficult, really. You know, it's hard to look good against Lawrence Akoli anyway, but I think it depends what he's got left, uh, in all honesty. You know, I mean, there's no shame in, you know, it's three defeats, you know, I've been against three top-level guys. Usyk, Brady, Sokoli. No shame in that. Um, you know, Reactpo is definitely a step down, you know, in terms of that level. You know, like Reactpo is not, you know, at world level yet. It's um, like you said, we'll, though, they'll we'll, know, Ozzy, they'll know what state he's in now. Yeah, you, you would think Lowacki, you know, that they're picking him for a reason. It's a good name to have on his record, you know, 16th fight, ex world champion, you know, certainly, you know, name carries clout. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see, but. I think, you know, from a betting perspective, you know, Liam Smith is certainly has got more chance of winning than Glowacki, if that makes sense. No, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that makes that's what the books are saying, too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Follow the books. That's what I say. Right, boys, let's move on to Belly of the Week for episode 506. You just heard Ozzy there. He's with us. So is Matty, Andy, Rob and me, Steve. We know all about sexual slavery on this podcast being sold into it is a very real it's a very real proposition, but apparently it's not just out in Russia that you have to fear for yourself. Things are going on afoot. Media in association with boxer Dev Sani, fresh from his Dubai tan. Um, I've got to ask you, how was your first impression of Dubai? I loved it. I thought it was so nice. It was just, uh, I don't know, everywhere you looked, there was just something beautiful to look at. And um, I felt really safe just walking about. I just never felt in risk of sort of being mugged or potentially bummed. So. Dave, man. <laughs> the RG boy's pretty safe, boys. Steve. <laughs> what, what, what kind of a neighborhood is he living in? A, where... a, rough, a rough one, by all accounts. <laughs> rough and tough. I, where you're, just like, you're wondering, like, will I get raped today? I, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's some rough shit. Like, you're in a position there, like, what do you do? Do you do you just like put on a chastity belt and 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 you know go for an extra layer of protection? Do you just accept your fate and lube up every morning so you're not in as much pain? Like these Devin are Haney the questions. Went in raw without no protection. Yeah, <laughs> these are the questions. These well, ask. Well, Matty, friend of the pod, Dev Sarni does listen to the pod, so maybe you'll slide into your DMs and give you the answers you're searching for. Huh. Well, ah, but Matt might not be prepared for those answers. I've I'm not prepared for very much anymore, Andy. <laughs> not prepared for two Rob Kellys. We've got two what two the for the fuck? price of one here. You got an impersonator, Rob. <laughs> you there, Rob? Well, I don't know. Seems to have lost him. We shall <laughs> Percy Beans <laughs> try to get him back if we can. Anyway, let's <laughs> can't handle the bumming. Oh, there you are, Rob. Nope, we oh, can't hear you, Rob. <laughs> there Fuck. you are. There he is now. Rob, <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a serious section, man. You're messing it up. <laughs> thinking about getting bummed while walking down the street, got him all Twitter painted. Yeah, that was BJ time. Oh, it's BJ time. Do you see this one, Andy? Yeah, I see it. Jalalov has coined the, the hashtag it's BJ time. Well, you know. Jalalov wants that BJ time. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Who is it? 
BG Flores, I think he's talking about him. Oh, well, maybe. Man who can't cut off the ring. Didn't he get bitten by a dog or something? Yeah, he's yeah, fucking... This is, this is follow the flyweights. <laughs> when you get bitten by a dog, when it's BJ time, it's a rough time, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I'd say so. Or BJ Flores. It's all about Jalalov. It's BJ time. That's his hashtag. Uh, Frank Warren was talking on Talk Sport, uh, spreading the truth as usual, I think. He was an underdog when he went to Russia a couple of years mm. ago for uh, Kovalev. And he should have won that fight. He's on front and all the judges' cards, and he had had him nigh on knocks out. But okay, Frank, we are all about the truth here and statistics on the asylum. So let's check what? it. Let's check it out here. So it was ninety-seven, ninety-four to Kovalev on one card. Uh, it was ninety-six, ninety-three on the other, and ninety-eight, ninety-two on Dion Duarte's card. There, was it? I'm telling you that that, that performance has has morphed into one of the greatest of all time. That's a, that's the biggest hard luck story of boxing history. Do you know what? I I am gobsmacked at these cards. I think Yard had like you know basically won about two rounds at best, and that what was that was that round seven where literally he should have got him out of there really. He, he Kovalev was done. He was spent. Um, but aside from that, I thought he'd lost pretty much every round. So, I mean, yeah, Frank, you know, spinning the story, basically telling fibs on Talksport, but okay, I'm more no, gobsmacked. Careful, no. the lawyers are bringing out the door. <laughs> Allegedly, sorry. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But, yeah, Allegedly. but I, I'm on shots. Well, no, to be, to be honest, Andy, we have got hard evidence on yeah, the screen in front of us. We have. So, yeah, you know, Frank, you were wrong on this one. Uh, that saying, though... Fucking fat down there. <laughs> <laughs> There's some hard evidence for you. He's throwing me that. It's just the fact that, you know, skin tight shirt on and stuff like that. But no, uh, but no the, I'm shocked at those cards. I really am. I'm gobsmacked. Uh, like, literally. But you're right, though, Andy. Um, it's turned in, you know, to like one of these performances where he basically got battered, you know, completely outclassed. But he had that one round where, you know, he he, he essentially could have been world champion, you know. I think it was the eighth. And then blew his gas and got dropped and stopped yeah. in a fucking jab, I think it was. Oh, he, yeah, he, he wasn't. He was just exhausted, absolutely exhausted. And that was, again, to, you know, just poor matchmaking, you know. Again, didn't have the development fights and and kind of rushed everything, you know. I think had he have taken his just a fraction, you know, a bit of time, he probably would have got Kovalev out of there in the eighth or certainly early in the ninth. I think it was uh, Buddy McGirt said that had Kovalev had you know started off the round like he finished it um, or had another similar round in the ninth, he was throwing the towel in. He was getting him out of there. So just shows how fine margins are. But yeah, Frank. You're wrong on this one. And Dan, like you look at that picture of Dan and you come to the realization <laughs> that the life of the Hamburglar is a, you know, you're living really on a razor's edge there because you chase down so many people and you get so many hamburgers, but then the hamburgers make you fat and you can no longer chase down people for hamburgers. It's a, it's a rough go. Eddie Harm would think you're a very deep thinker with, th- with thoughts like that, Matty. Um, but it makes my bad motherfucker though. Is Rob, a... Rob, Rob, we all know that Eddie's head is in the is in the sky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that a microphone or a talk guy's uh, <laughs> big Dan has there? That's a, <laughs> <laughs> That's a fudge sickle. <laughs> <laughs> Magnum. 
Here, Andy, do you reckon Fat Dan goes down to that pancake advert? What, what was that place again? Denny's oh, <laughs> with the Rudy Tooty Fresh Fruity. Rudy Tooty Fresh Fruities. I like crap. I mean, man, that guy's a season ticket holder. He's going there. He's he doesn't eat it, mate. He snorts the stuff, man. That's what he does. He's in there snorting the th- hundreds and thousands and drinking the pancakes or rather pouring it on his pancakes and that shit. Did it doesn't bother bo- with the fruit either. Just you keep your strawberries, just you keep your raspberries and your fucking blueberries and that. You just give me the pies and the fucking bacon. There we Oz. go, La Bosch. Oz, do, do you reckon yeah. Big da- Big Dan should be on It Starts Monday? Do you think he should get down with It Starts Monday and fucking get Absolute. on the John, John Fisher diet train? Ab- abs- absolutely. Yeah, big absolutely. believer in that, you know. Big John, healthy. Ch- he had a healthy Chinese on Friday night, didn't he? You know, nope. smaller portions. Certain, yeah, haters. Um, yeah, I'm, haters. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Are you going to take that off him, Oz? Because it feels like he's talking to you. No, well, that's, what say, that's, what, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I, I hope Big John's going to be listening to Aussie absolutely destroying poor fucking John Diabetes <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. He's decided to go on some bit of some sort of health craze diet here, but then. You know, good oh, might come in this. You know, my mate end up saving this guy from a cholesterol heart attack. You just never and know. And you think it says this is why the NHS waiting this for so long? Aye, the service are free. It, <laughs> it says it all. I watched his. Um, I watched the bits of his um, Chinese sit down with Big John and Fabio Wardley was the first guest. And when he rang up, he's known on first name terms at the Chinese. Fair enough. <laughs> and that was fourth Chinese in a row that week. And Fabio Wardley's face dropped when Big John mentioned that. Four Chineses in a row How that week. How can he afford it, man? That's about 300 bar. Possibly for what he eats, you know? I tell you what, right? Give him another, give him another hundred pounds off. He's like a, he's like a regular Jason Statham if he drops the weight. Look at him, big John there. He's fucking. Hey. He can move when he has to. We're on the journey with Big John. I'm looking forward to this weight loss. Uh, big tight weight loss. Well, I'm afraid where that journey's going to end up. I, to think, be I think he might be be sponsored here. Like we we see all these fighters coming out uh, with OnlyFans on their trunks. His son's going to be coming up, coming out with low main fans to the next time to the <laughs> ring. O- only pans. <laughs> Look at that plate though. Like, you know, big two big jacket potatoes on there, fucking loads of tuna, cheese, massive salad. It's portion control, and Big it's John cheating. hasn't got it. It's cheating. But you know, like I said, I'm on the I'm on the journey with him. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Wish him well, you know. Looking forward to his weekly Chinese. Now he'll enjoy it more then, rather than four in a week. As uh, as Arnold Schwarzenegger is alleged to have said uh, when he was interrupted in the back of a limo, uh, give, performing an act uh, similar to Adrian Broner in the back of the taxi, uh, someone pulled the door open and Arnie said with a big smile on his face, eating is cheating. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do you have Chinese's Mate, like in 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 your neck of the woods? Like, do you get yeah, in the Chinese? Have a few people kick we have Chinese restaurants all over the place in the United States. Like, would you get in the Chinese and like do a Big John order and get bring the stuff back in like little containers? I doggy, so doggy bags I, in I, I had Vietnamese food on Friday night, and I got an order of uh, crab uh, crab cheese rangoons and uh, and a uh, beef noodle bowl, and and then that's it. I, I 
Yeah, I, I are know. You on first, are you on first name terms with them? I'm sorry, just Paul. No, no, I've been. I go there maybe like once every two months. There you are. Get the noodles yeah. out. The burrito place knows me pretty well, but that's another story. Uh, talking of the journey, Andy, what about this one? Knight of Champions, DKM Plush Boxing proudly presents, I don't think there's too much proud about this, John D.P. Shaw against Danny Williams, Saturday the 1st of April, this ain't no April Fool's, Indigo, heavyweight championship match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that the Danny Williams? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for, clutch score, for Good dice. God. <laughs> Mate, come Who's on. Who's the Shaw guy? I don't know. Fucking, so he's Listen, wearing, the, look at the size of that motherfucker's the... chin. Look at that shit. It's a, white, it's a white collar, so like this John D.P. Shaw could literally just be, you know, like a bloke from the boozer who fancied his chances at white collar and he's now... I really hope he is, to be honest with you. That's, that'll make me watch it. Um, the thing is, Danny Williams could get fucking... You could miss him with a miss and you could fucking probably stop knocking him out. <laughs> Danny yeah. Williams, like, Danny didn't... Like, I don't know. I don't he's know. Been fighting, he's in is... Europe, mate, getting knocked two in one round of jobbers. Wasn't wasn't like his missus <laughs> trying to stage an intervention to get him to stop fighting? Yeah, it was about fifteen years ago. I remember when he fought Chisora. His missus wanted to him to retire. That was two thousand and nine or something. I can remember <laughs> fighting. A, I can remember fighting a, a Russian MMA guy who was maybe a legend. I, I forget who it was. It was on his record. Check him. I'm sure it was a debutant, and he got iced in like I can't mind how many rounds it was. Now, but I deep yeah. double penetration. I, that's what you need to date and watch this shit, man. Fuck me. <laughs> Yeah, it's white collar, says Johnny Nelson. So. You'll, 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 you'll be happy to know that Danny Williams has only lost four fights in a row because going back in 2019, he had his magnificent victory over the uh, 0-8, uh, 0-8 Mehmed Cernelik. So, yeah, don't knock him. And uh, between that, he had two losses before that. He had a run of five straight victories, Steve, mm. including over uh, uh, the undefeated Boban Filipovic. That was only four years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not 45, that Boban Filipovic or something like that. Boban Filipovic sounds like someone you'd be linked with in the transfer window on the last day, don't it? From Udinese. Quite get run the team at Serie B. <laughs> Probably came through the fucking remaining, remaining second division or some shit. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Right, what have we got here? Eddie Hearn, promoter of the year, Andy. Fuck him. Fuck him. Oh, hey, I've got tons of Eddie Hearn fucking nominations when you come to This one? Go on. Oh, What's going that's on even, here? That's just one of them. This yeah. is, I'm obviously talking about Eddie, you know, about Joshua having his comeback fight, potentially against, uh, was it Jermaine Fr- Franklin? Just listen to the shit. You go into that fight in April, you know that with a defeat, it's all over, really. You know, it would be a third back-to-back defeat. This is the most excited I've been for an AJ. On, sorry, I've been on AJ's journey so far because it's, it's a fuck. exciting, a great performance, and a showreel knockout gets everyone saying, "We're back, we're back, baby." Meanwhile, in the background, Eddie Hearn's trying to get the IBF to do the fucking dirty on music and Fury to try and get fucking music to fight fucking what's his name? Uh, the Croatian Hargovic. Yeah, fuck. What the fuck is he trying to sell us here now? I told you all, by the way, that the, 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 the list of fucking opponents for, for AJ's comeback fight was limited. You started looking into it in great detail. Frank Warren stable, and then you're taking the PBC and that as well. as He is shit out of options. Dempsey McKean, man. Fuck me. I can't believe he was even quoted. Jermaine Franklin. I mean, 
Am I right in saying Jermaine Franklin is the guy who ran Dillian White close a few weeks ago? Well, there's a story. There's a story here. Oh, he's pushed. He pushed Dillian White close. Exactly, yeah. Can Josh knock him out? Do a better job, yeah. Grudge match between Dillian White. I mean, even IFL were getting in on the show. What do you want to see next for AJ? AJ White too, or AJ Wilder? I mean, is these simple and fucking questions you're asking, man? What the fuck are you on? What is he talking like? Is this uh, look and you know me and me, me Richard Hall connections to statement analysis? <laughs> but you're talking here when you hear when you hear him say, you know, with defeat, it's all over. Really, it will be a third back to back defeat. Well, that's what they're afraid of <laughs> making the white fight straight away. So that'll tell you exactly where AJ is. Like, this is I mean, fucking terrible for the guy. They're trying is to it? steal like, a title in the back door mate, as well. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get AJ Hergovich made on the fucking sly. Maybe try and get music to get, get vacated the belt, and guess who's going to slot in there at number one contender? Unbelievable! Well, fucking stays, man. Mm-hmm. Franklin it. as an they opponent for Joshua is embarrassing, man. That is fucking they did embarrassing. They Martin back in the day. They used the politics to their fucking advantage, and they're trying to do it again. But thankfully, fucking thankfully, the IBF have held up the end of the bargain and says, "Nope, not happening." Jermaine yeah. Franklin, honest yeah. to God, man. Like, yeah. Jesus. I heard some nutters in the fucking IFL comments and they were like, Otto Volley to be a good warm up for White. Otto Volley to beat Joshua. <laughs> talking about he's not fucking, they're yeah. not putting him in with Otto, Otto fucking Volley. No chance. They'd be better looking at someone like Gile Zhang or someone like that for Joshua. Gile Zhang or even Dempsey McKean, but the fact that they won't give him Dempsey McKean because he's a southpaw will probably fucking make him look worse. You know what? It's for, he's on he's on shaky ground. Another change of trainers and all like this fucking. You know we we laughed and, yeah, and poked Derek, fun Derek of his. Yeah, yeah, we've poked fun at his breakdown and all. Obviously, because we were doing the post fight pod live and we had our fun with it. But the guy's clearly fucking had some kind of fucking serious breakdown. Like another fucking trainer move after two fights with. One fight with Robert Garcia. He's ditched uh, fucking, what's his name? Birmingham fella. I was going to say there what his name was. Yeah, McCracken. <laughs> he's ditched he's dis for cracking. He's now ditched Derek Garcia. Going, yeah. He's going to Derek James, the Charles sure and fucking Spence's cool, trainer. I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's ever been done before at elite level where a fighter's chopped and changed trainers three times in a row and had a good outcome. Now, no. there's a very fucking capable trainer available out there for him. Who'd be able to give him a dossier and a, fucking, <laughs> a match analysis. report? Unrivaled analysis. Uh, um, what you got to understand, Coogs, is you got to put the pressure on, but you yeah. then got intelligent enough to de- depress the pressure that you put on your opponent. <laughs> Jab, jab, jab. Yeah, and you have to try and play high up the pitch as well. It's very important <laughs> these days. Like, fucking moron. But anyway, yeah, no, what is this like? AJ Franklin, Eddie, would you fuck off, man? Even AJ, fucking cop on, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, these, these would you rather questions that they're asking polls. I, I'd like to poll people a, a real humdinger of a question here. Uh, would you rather have a really good ham sandwich or stick your dick in a toaster? You tell me. Is a, is a, is a toaster actually switched on at that point? Oh, yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. You're coming yeah. out with grill marks. Uh, that's fine. No, no, as long as you can pour some water on me at the same time, then you can be done with this shit, then yeah, fine. <laughs> I bet about three weeks ago you really would have taken that up. Just yeah, you're fucking right, right I would have, man. You were taking the toaster to the bath with him, weren't you then, Andy? Uh, <laughs> I was taking the shiver with me. I was even, even had a guy outside by a gun just to make sure I fucking finished the job. Yeah, the, then the kid looks you in the eyes and says, I love you, Dad. And you're like, God <laughs> fucking damn it. I was, I was raging when he came out. I had the gun ready. <laughs> 
But the rat needed it back. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where it was supplied, allegedly. <laughs> For sake. I heard, I heard that he maybe came out. Remember, came out of that hotel. Oh dear. Vic Glazer's back, everybody, on Twitter, oh, thankfully. Fuck. My suspension by Twitter is over. I'm back. I can't, must get rid of him, Andy, or something. Maybe the toaster in the bath, Vic. Man, fucking Daniel Kennehan's fucking. Need to get old oh, Rick Glazer a job here, by he get his, He's got his Twitter back. Needs to get him back in the fold, back in the saddle, promoting fuck all. Putting on no shows, <laughs> a fucking absolute irrelevance to our life. This podcast and boxing in general, fucking fuck him. Unrivaled work, unrivaled work. Uh, here's another show. Bad Promotions presents There Will Be Blood, January the fourteenth, two thousand twenty-two. Reser- reserve your spot at Bad Promotions. There will be blood is the tagline. Well, apparently Jesus. not, because they later made an announcement. We are disappointed to announce that seven of our fighters on our event this weekend have been popped for having fake blood work. What? We held up our end on the boxing side as seven. this was a hybrid event that teamed up with Slaughterhouse Management to handle the bare-knuckle side. Unfortunately, all the fighters handled by them submitted fake blood work in a sport where blood is exchanged frequently. We apologise to everyone. So apparently well, there won't be let blood. Let me see this. Let me see this, <laughs> that, by the way. That card yeah, might be AIDS, Andy. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> <laughs> that might be AIDS. It might be HIV. It could be hepatitis B or C. But I'll tell you fucking right now, right? If that is but poverty-level cards are putting on, seven fighters are fucking feeling blood work, right? What the fuck's a professional cards putting on, <laughs> by the way? Hey, what you, what's that telling you? Aye. Fucking 90% of the cards probably pop and hot. Fake blood work. I mean... There's almost so much that, actually. Who's, who's the fucking doctor saying off in this shit? I don't know. Slaughterhouse. Dr. Joseph Ajayo, I think. Aye. <laughs> Dr. Shawhai. Shawhai. Dr. Shawhai, aye. <laughs> Shannon Courtney on a comeback. Bad Blood work. What the fuck is going on <laughs> with this sport? What does that even mean? Jesus. <laughs> well, they've apologised, old slaughterhouse management. Right, let's think, take things up a notch here. The Gads has been hanging around oh. the Misfits card, and he's been hanging around L Brook. Shout out to MTK Enforcer, Rick Graveal, who has sent me the video here of the Gad on fine form. Were you, were you talented at sports growing up anyway? No, absolutely not. Oh, really? No talent, absolutely. I have zero talent. Because you've got powerful got... legs. How do you get the physique? Was it gym or how do you get the physique? Um, I've always been that. She's actually not got powerful legs. Yeah. Have you not noticed how powerful her legs are? Oh, I, 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 but, but, your, but your power comes through your core, through your legs, through yeah. your torque, doesn't it? Yeah. No, and I think that is that's smart tips. Those that. aren't legs, by the way. I know, but I know, I know I've got strong legs. Yeah, but, um... Can we get the legs up over the barrier? Oh, I know, but I know. The, the hips and shoulders, that's Mark Tibbs. That's Mark Tibbs training. Elle was up on stage earlier. Yeah. 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 Powerful legs. Powerful legs. I think oh, that's a great one. Straddle that barrier, baby. Straddle that barrier. What a guy. El Hefe and El Brook. What a fucking guy, man. Oh, fucking zip tie a fucking dildo to it for you. It's- like that, you, he's you literally, gotta... you can tell the guard is just planning what he's going to do in his fucking basement. So we're in, he's going to get Erin Ebony locked That's up, so... fucking chained up in his basement. And he's just going to have his fucking way with him. You can just tell. Mate, he's a di- dangerous man. Dangerous he's man. Legs. Look at the way he's trying to distract from it, you know, like put it on. Was it Umar that, you know? 
yeah, look at she's got strong legs, hasn't she? Well, you're, you're telling us this, you know, nobody else. And you, how did you get your physique? It's just horny questions really, all, they, all the guard wants to do is put all the guard wants to do is, is, is to try and test the PSI pressure of those legs with his head between her fucking thighs, by the way. That's what he's trying to do. <laughs> can we get the legs Can we get the legs up yeah. on the fucking yeah, can we get the legs up for Tell it tell me L tell me L. Do you have a shower? Do you have a shower with your strong legs? <laughs> here's, here's a question for the pod. How many, times, how many times do you think Gad has had sex where he didn't have to pay up front for it? I don't know, mate. I mean, as Ozzy says, he's probably kidnapped and fuck off the street down to the basement level. You just never know, mate. I don't know, Matty, but well, I tell you what. Well, that's have to pay up front for that because you need, like, tools. You'll need, like, chloroform and handcuffs probably He's probably... He's probably Probably, he'd probably nicks up if he fucking like you know hospitals like Jimmy Savile we used to King. <laughs> I tell you what, Matty, you end up, Matty, you end up paying for it on the back end anyway, man. Don't worry about it. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm sure his victims always pay in the back end, Rob. As Ozzy says, he's going to get caught out at some point. Remember that time he was he was sneakily taking pictures of someone at a press conference? Came in like a professional <laughs> fucking. Sp- I mean, really, he's in the wrong job. He should be fucking working for MI5 on surveillance for fucking, oh, yeah. fucking television X or something. <laughs> <It looks> like... <laughs> David Shaler. <laughs> Top contributor to Upskirt.com. I knew Rob would like that one. <laughs> oh, fucking bullet and everything, man. Unbelievable. <laughs> Fuck me. He's, um, he's definitely got a hit. He's definitely got a hit. He's definitely got a hip flask of raw hip now, hasn't he? The guard, and he just slips it in. <laughs> well, he's, 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 he's in the chat, smell those rag vibes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah does, does, the guard might yeah, want to be fucking. He might want to get up on the fact that there's a thin line between creeping and macking, you know what I mean? And I think he's just encroaching. He might be slightly encroaching on the creep side there a little bit. What is it? You know what's, what I mean? sad, what's sad, Rob, is he's probably like all this is going on, and in his head he's singing, Return of the Mac. You need to wonder if he gets arrested now. He's going to, how many times he's going to say the word consensual? <laughs> Right. Does this rag smell like chloroform? <laughs> right, let's move on quickly before we get moved off. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Losses at Blavatnik's The Zone deepened to 2.3 billion Ooh. in 2022. Things aren't going too well over Even there. Even the Ned. Even the Ned. $2.3 billion is a lot of money, like, isn't it? Billion dollars. It's a lot, like. It's a fucking lot, like. Something tells me that fucking the zone's days might be numbered. Fucking, you know what I mean? They couldn't even fucking outlast Box Nation, man. Box Nation was the ultimate fucking winner in the boxing uh, streaming. This is this is uh, damning, though, isn't it? Like for the zone, like you really you really wonder what the future is going to be like. They haven't been able to make a big fight, as we touched on earlier. Oscar seems to be coming out now with these Tyson Fury s deadlines about contracts needing to be signed on such a day. So it looks like Tank Davis versus Garcia is not going to happen. So, quite surprised me. It'd be amazing though, a fucking, what do you call him, Len, is it Blatnik? I think he's a, he's not a Russian oligarch. Amazing that the Americans start taking him, doing it. Yeah, it, yeah it, no, it there doesn't yeah. seem to be another mega fight left for Canelo either, by the way. Who's he going to fight, like, to generate revenue? AJ's Uh-oh. off fighting fucking... 
Jermaine Franklin or Jermaine Jackson or fucking <laughs> no, I don't know who the fuck he's fighting. Jermaine Dupree. But this is fucking pathetic. Know. Jermaine yeah. Dupree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about fighting Julian Jackson. Yeah. You, you got like, like this is numbers. Go ahead, Rob. It's no, but this is you got it. You got to be fucking. We got to be honest, yeah. We got to be honest and say the future is fucking not bri- not bright for the zone. Like, isn't it? Where are they going to get a fucking the fight, fight to, to make these fucking to make those those kind of losses back? Like, it's just what fight is bringing that kind of They're value? Not, to, not, do you remember? You know I, mean? the, the, just, I know we're we'll bringing up Giovanni Davis, and can you remember the time when uh, Tony Bellew was going on full fucking capital spiel mode? With Eddie Harris standing right next to him, when he says to him, Giovanni Davis needs to get himself on a real platform. He's just coming to the zone. I'm like, really? And then you see this shit coming up $2.1 billion of losses. Yeah, I mean, who's running this shit? Elon Musk? Why is the bank coming in here? Those comments uh, about Showtime going out of business are going to age well. And uh, get a life bringing those back up, by the way. <laughs> hey, what the I, I, I don't think it can be too far off the mark with Showtime actually why they're, to, uh, why they're kind of going as well and what EB was saying but we'll just need to wait to see but they're doing better but fucking the zone are doing it anyway there's going to be a come to Jesus moment in boxing yes. where they decide to either piss the entire sport away or make the fights that people want and, and get the networks and the streaming services interested again it's it's just because we're not going to be paying for pay-per-views like this they're gonna okay. have a come, they're gonna have a come to Jesus moment where they give the fans what they want to put Father Dave on there. That's the fucking come to Jesus moment we're looking for. Hardcore <laughs> at least. That's what these people need. They need more Father Dave in their lives. And tell it. That's exactly what they need. They need more Father Dave in their lives. That's what we all need. Is is more Father Dave in our lives, right? Final yeah. one. Bit of Javonta sliding into Eddie's DMs, calling Eddie out. There's a fight to the He's deleted mm. it. Who Davis did? Uh, Davis, either he deleted that one or there was the other one that he deleted. The one where he was talking about the rag ass contract. He deletes offer. loads of stuff, doesn't he, Davis? Afterwards, someone must have a word he's in a, his ear. Yeah, he's a tweeting deleter. He's a tweeting deleter. <laughs> uh, Eddie, he took it to Eddie, in fairness, because Eddie did, Eddie wasn't thinking that one through, like, was he? Like, I don't want to fucking, like, be hypercritical of him, but he guess, but Espinosa was onto something when he said he used a trope, like, um, and then, of course, he backpedaled and threw Eddie Harden fast and get a life, Javante, fucking calling me out on what I actually said about you. Um, so Javante actually won that round 10 7 because he clapped back at Harden, didn't he? He said I was fucking articulate and, te- and intelligent enough not to sign that bullshit ass contract okay. <laughs> with you. So that was that was good enough. He had Eddie on the ropes and then he went in for a typical Tank Davis KO and finished him in, by sliding into his DMs, didn't he? So even in Edward having a nightmare and actually. I don't know, Steve, if you got a chance to clip it or whatever, or if you saw it in the group chat, but uh, on this team as well, somebody overlaid Bob Arum's speech about Eddie Hearn over the Nas Ether instrumental. Oh, no, saying, I didn't like, see that. Oh, it's fucking glorious. It's one of the funniest shit I've ever said, but basically Arum's over going, Eddie Hearn pissed away a billion dollars. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Do, do, Talks do, about do, everybody's do. business. <laughs> Talks about everybody's business when he can't even run his fucking own business. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Whoever did that is fucking glorious. Uh, is a fucking bo- uh, boxing Twitter champion. But uh, yeah, that was pretty good luck. Lovely stuff. That's all the bits and pieces I have for now, boys. Anything from you, Matty? You know, I think you'd have to nominate Ben J. Estevez for being yes. the least in-charge person of the fight he was officiating. It, it, that's it's Benji has to be up there. I don't think he wins this week, but goddamn, that was a terrible performance uh, in the Vianello Rice fight, so he should definitely get an honorable mention. 
Yes, honourable mention for Mr Estevez. Any nominations from you, please, Ozzy? Nothing this week, no. Woo! Nothing from Oz. Anything from you, Andrew? Tons, mate. Fucking tons. Ooh. Edward Hearn. Sorry, Edward John Hearn. Uh, he came out there on Boxing Scene recently and says uh, he regrets speaking to the media immediately after Ben drug test leak. This was a guy who turned up at a press conference and says he was taking no questions. <laughs> Even in Ed. <laughs> um, obviously, Eddie Hearn kind of coming out saying the dangerous thing about Gervonta Davis is he's not a deep thinker, not articulate. I don't mean that disrespectfully. He's a bad motherfucker like Mike Tyson. Plus, he brings up Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's one of the deepest thinkers you can fucking believe in, by the way. What the fuck's he fucking bringing him up for? Racial troopies against black fighters and unintelligent, unthinking people. What the fuck is he all about? Yeah. Mike Tyson's kind of proof that you can read things and still yeah. not learn shit. Yeah. Fucking reads the... Oh, we'll leave it at that. Plus, Eddie Hearn for coming out with saying, Conor Ben has made it clear to me he wants to go straight back into a big fight, of course, he feels entitled. Uh, I would prefer him to have a run out. Of course you do. You want to make a wee bit extra payday after losing the fucking pay-per-view, you cunt. Uh, but he made it clear. He made it clear. Absolutely clear. He wants to follow in people. Chris Eubank Jr. Right, okay. You can fucking forget about that one because uh, you got nothing to bargain with. And you're the B-side. Gervonta Davis who you want to bring up fucking two weight divisions, you fucking prick. And then you got Kel Brook and Manny Pacquiao, two retired fighters. Fuck me. This is Conor Ben's intentions. Fuck you. We still don't know what the fuck happened with There's that whole sample. scenario. We don't There's know. There's sample, huh? There's been no conclusion to the investigation, but they're declaring that he's innocent. He's ready to fight fighters who are not fighting anymore. So, you know, fucking edgier seat stuff for Conor Vane on 2023. Fuck me. I could not believe it. Calls it two retirees, a fucking dwarf, and uh, a guy who's a weight division or two bigger than him. Fucking hell, man. Uh, and if he was entitled to a big fight as well. Uh, we mentioned Hergovic, Yuzik, uh, the IBF, rescinded uh, the mandatory. Matty mentioned Benji, Benji Estevez. That was just outrageous calling it a headbutt when it was a clear punch. Uh, one for Sonny Edwards, actually. Not just for the fact that he paid for that Misfits card there last night. He gets, then gets bodied off fucking Mike Coppinger, of all people. Sonny Edwards posted a picture out there. He says he just spent £12 to watch KSI and he's getting this message. It says, uh, our apologies. Please try again. Um, I can't really make it out. It's not too clear here. But basically, he couldn't get the fight on the zone app, basically. He's got a big error message. Mike Coppinger tweets back and says, to be fair, anyone who spends money to watch KSI Box deserves this treatment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Sonny getting bought off Mike Coppinger. Fucking even Bob Arndon, they get fucking bodied off. Get Mike him out Coppinger. of here, Sonny. <laughs> get him out of here. Um, Tony Bellew. Now, I know we mentioned the Everton result there yesterday. I know it's no box related, but Tony Bellew is box related. So, Tony's fucking raging at the Everton fans there. Those little street urchins for chasing the players in the street outside Goodison Park there last night. He's like, this, this is not right. Think about what this is portraying us as. He's a kid trying to go home after playing for his club. I get we're all frustrated and had enough, but this is not the right way. Who's going to want to come back and fight or play for us after seeing this? It's a mess. This will be the same Tony Bellew who was in the stands pre-fight against the um, Lincoln Macabu when he was saying that the steward used to hassle him at Goodison because he'd up on the seats fucking jumping about shouting like a fucking maniac. You just know if Tony Bellew wasn't known who, as, as to who he is, he'd be out in the fucking streets there last night chasing the fucking players down the road. I guarantee it. So Tony Bellew will put him up, the, up for that. As he well. has been and a one, hooligan himself, so he, he, he is has. entitled to an opinion. He has. He has. He's been uh, running about the nightclubs and that as well, which we'll, we'll get into actually oh. because... Uh, 
well, we'll not get into it. Anyways, and I got the last one for Ness, Ness the Grass, what's the podcast called again? The Boxing Voice, The Boxing Voice. So Ness, as, as Rob mentioned earlier on there about Earl, Sp- Earl Spence bringing out <coughs> those t-shirts, about Terence Crawford, Terence Crawford's next, and he's raging Ness, Ness the Grass, he's absolutely fucking raging Ness. He's exposing Errol Spence in his podcast, telling him, call him a liar and scamming the boxing world. Anyway, he ends off his fucking rant and says, you'll never be me. You'll never be me, bitches. So that, oh, you'll never be me. Yeah, but that would be eh, a fucking federal informant. Wired up. So, Nest the Grass, <laughs> wired up. For them fucking, wired to the moon. <laughs> for the feds, baby. So, aye, one for, uh, one for Nest the Grass, and that's enough for me, mate. Fantastic stuff. Thank you very much, Andy. What about yourself, Rob? Oh yeah, I've got a I've got a great lad who was down with a great bunch of lads. Ben Davison took to Instagram last <laughs> last week with with with, a, with the caption throwback and a little insight to some work myself and Lee Wiley did delivered for real Devin Haney ahead of his undisputed class with George Cambosis Jr. Some clips of the scouting report along with some clips of the debrief details. He says, and this is what it, this is what it says. This was the great advice he gave. Cambosis falls into a predictable rhythm while stepping around or shuffling back. As his back foot slides out, his upper body lurches forward, bringing his head in range. With his hands low, in brackets, not in a defensive position. (laughs) With his hands low, not in a defensive position. And his weight over the front foot, your long, sharp jab will find the mark. Well, that is unrivaled work, man. He basically said fucking Cambosis... Puts his head in range, he should hit him. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never seen stuff like it. I mean, I'm sure fucking Eddie Futch, Eddie Hutch is looking there. Eddie Futch ben, is looking there. <laughs> ben Davidson reminds me of a CIA agent, by the way. He does all this talking, but he's good at explaining stuff by not exactly telling you anything, really. So... It's pathetic. We were at an uh, 0-1 uh, boxer, Conor McGregor, was exposed this week, similar Ooh. to fucking... Uh, Similar to Al Bernstein with his likes and, uh, you know, whatever you're into, I'm not judging him, uh, but apparently he, he liked a video from Come Videos Gay uh, of a fella doing an intense uh, hand motion. So that's what he, he liked anyway. And everyone was like, your likes are on public, man. What are you doing? So I don't know what's going on there. Um, but yeah, that's enough for me, I think. Um, oh, no, no, no. I had one more. This fucking idiot at the, the, on the Dead Zone card. You know this guy? I don't know his name. It's going to come to me, but he's um, he's a former MMA fighter or something, and he 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 hit your man Dylan Dennis outside the press conference, didn't he? At that fucking Cali was running around off. He's not. Remember. Was that your man Taylor? Was he? Yeah, yeah, him, him, Anthony him, Taylor. Him. Anthony yeah. Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's um, he's had a stare down, hasn't he, uh, for his fight on the Dead Zone card? And while the two of them are head to head, he just starts singing. Jodeci's freaking you at the top of his voice. That starts <laughs> off every time I close my eyes. I wake up feeling so horny uh, to his opponent. So I don't know what the fuck is going on with this guy, but he won't fuck off, man. He was in Dubai, wasn't he? Uh, calling out Floyd, telling Floyd. Floyd He's a nuisance in him. Yeah. And Floyd was like, put the fucking gloves on this guy and get him in here. Like, because he was sick of listening to him. And then he bottled it. Like, he was like, no, I'm going to size you up and all. I'm going to fight you next and all. So... He's singing Jodeci at the fucking way in now. Anyway, he's dropping the ball if his fight name is not Devante Swings. Uh, maybe some of the listeners get that one most of them won't. But uh, yes, he, he's he's definitely on a fucking um, on an interesting trajectory. This guy, so he won't piss off either. But yeah, boxer size, bad man. What a fucking unrivaled work. Like basically, hit the guy and don't let him hit you. Easy work. <laughs> Easy work. Easy work. 
It's impossible. <laughs> the, fucking, about the, that, like. the debrief and the scouting report. What fucking scouting was that? Any fucking easy that's watching the fucking fight to tell you Campos is coming in with his head fucking hit him, man. What a dickhead. Like, unbelievable. And people eating this shit up. People eating this shit up and all, oh, brilliant breakdown, Ben. What the fuck? I don't know, man. By the way, there's a reason Josh Taylor fucking left him, by the way. And it's for the reasons Rob just fucking outlined and we've outlined in previous months on this podcast. He's a fucking spoofer. Talking complete and utter fuck. Gibberish. I'm surprised this fellow's allowed you allowed it in around James talking like that. What fucking boxing trainer did you ever hear fucking talking like that? Holy shit, man. Unbelievable. It's gonna be on the telly I'm just the thinking of like the time. He's in the corner. I'm just thinking of Manny in the the time all the time I spent with Manny and that like I never fucking heard Joey Gamachi or any of them like never Sugar Hill any of them fucking talking like this fucking it is if you know you hit him with your sharp jab and that will f- piss off man will you like fuck's sake unrivaled work we wish him well right let's go through them quickly then for 506 and see what we've got we've got old BJ time there we had Frank uh, telling porcupines about the cards allegedly fat Dan eating porcupines allegedly uh, allegedly for the other I one as well. Frank, no fucking fat John man. Fisher allegedly eating, <laughs> breaking his diet. <laughs> All about portion control. Danny Williams is still in action. Uh, we got Eddie as promoter of the year. We had Andy nominating Eddie there as well. Rick Glazer's back on Twitter. Thank the Lord. There will be blood, contaminated blood apparently. Slaughterhouse management nomination for them. Does she not have powerful legs? Is the gad uh, coming in as well? Strength uh, thighs. Strength thighs. We call it up here. Strength thighs, baby. Such a, it's such a pity the gad never got to interview Obanov, isn't it? <laughs> she'd have fucking murdered him by the way and there'd be some fight <laughs> she'd have strangled him he's, he's on here Lembel Le- Le- pissing his uh, money up the wall we had Javonta Davis going in on Eddie Hearn and our videos were old boss John Gad as well and Dev Sarni trying to avoid getting bummed out in Dubai quite the line up there Ozzy who are you going for this week come on Oz the guard oh fuck <laughs> The guard going in on Elbrook. Matty, who are you going for? Uh, he fucking would like to go in on Elbrook as well. <laughs> Don't <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> homeboy who was worried about getting bummed back home. Oh, Dev Sarney. Shout out, Dev. Go. Getting a nomination for Matty. That's one apiece. Andy, who are you going for? Yeah, usually when Eddie Heron gets multiple nominations, mate, it's, it's going to be strong, strong pickings for Eddie, like, because <clears throat> it's an absolute fucking nightmare. I mean, his boss is losing money, fucking leftover cock. Eddie's a big fucking responsibility for losing that money. He's getting basically getting called a racist off Stephen Espinosa. He's getting called out by one of the biggest fucking sports stars in the fucking sport. Sort of one of the biggest boxers of the sport. He's fucking wanting to call out two retirees for Conor Ben, bring up a midget and fucking fight Chris Eubank again in the big fights. He's losing, he's losing uh, the IBF title mandatory for for Hergovic so he can get Joshua to slot it right fucking up him. So get it right round you, Edward John Hearn. Fuck you. Oh, sorry, and as well, as he, he, he regrets talking about uh, the drug test leak. This is the guy who walked into a press conference and says he'd be taking no questions. So, <laughs> Edward, without doubt. Andy making a strong case there for Eddie. One for Eddie, one Woo! for the guard, and one for Dev. Uh, Rob, who are you going for? I think Eddie is a deserved winner, and Boxer Size Ben is a fucking heavy contender. Um, but no one... 
knowing his tactical now, he'll probably find a way to to win in the championship rounds, uh, making those you adjustments. You understand, Rob? He's not very intelligent, but he's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, no, Eddie, Eddie should win it for that. Like, but for the good of the pod and uh, and the fucking the pod culture and the fucking the cult hero that is the cat, the guy <laughs> has to yeah, be, has to be, has to be. Shows your legs, the guy. Can, like, no, 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 no. That cult seems like a very operative term for some reason. How's he getting away with this? By the way, the feminists are going to fucking the feminists are going to get on the gad. By the way, and Umar as well for telling the fucking female fighter to go and get her leg up on the fucking. They're about to be. Need to get Judy on this, man. Get Judy. I was going to say like Judy on the screen. I know they're not a piece of meat for fuck's sake. They're only for your gratification. She's in respect, man. Yeah, gad. Yeah, fucking perverse. Oh, yes, I'm also going for the guard as well. So congratulations, Gareth A. Davis. Oh, you I are tried. I tried my best, boys. All the guys in the chat were hitting me up. Andy, it's got to be Eddie. It's got to be Eddie, but the guard for his perversions and he's just too strong, Andy. He's just too strong. Creepy weirdo, man. like the legs. Yeah, like I, the legs. Exactly. I bet you any money. I bet you see a woman's fighting in the ring. I bet you uh, the guard. She's like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. And he rushes back to the fucking changes. I bet he's nips in the bag. And he fucking smells of knickers. And he's really back out again. Crafty <laughs> yeah, uh, bastard. Crafty cunt. <laughs> Congratulations, Gad. You are the winner for episode five. He'd have been all he'd have been all over it when Ebony uh, Ebony Bridges suggested selling oh, a bathwater for the one. Oh, he'd be drinking that bathwater, man. Then, that a guy that I want, yeah, he'd have been supping that, injecting it via an IV into his body or something. <laughs> like flying, like flying in the fucking Vegas. <laughs> right up his urethra. Oh, right. I'm right. busting a piss, man. We're going to have to bring this to a close now. Speaking of urethras. <laughs> right, thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks to Ricky, I was going to say Rick Glazer, Ricky, Ricky Graveal, who threw in the super chat earlier. Thanks to Rick Glazer as well, I suppose. <laughs> Thanks to Desmond Malloy who joined us this week on Patreon, earth.com forward slash boxing asylum. And thanks to the boys who've come on tonight for episode 506. Rob's been with us, Andy's been with us, Matty, Ozzy. Thanks to the chat. I've been Steve Wellings. Don't forget to hit the like on the way out. We'll catch you all again same time next week. And bye. We'll never forget. We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking soul that can fight me. I, I fell asleep. I, I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Drunk or fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has, has failed has failed a test. Seven year old. Seven year old. I'm a fucking smash. Fuck are you. I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. As simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.